Greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Taran Rama's Hard News on Friday nights on BBS Radio, Station One. So we're grateful you're joining us here tonight. We'd like to take a few moments to set the tone for the evening and go into our heart space. So let's start with a few gentle breaths. Cleansing breaths. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Slowly and gently and intentionally. Let go of that dross of the day. And I hear that calling drum. It's the Kimi drum. And this is a Kimi day. So we celebrate Kimi today. So let's go into that heart space and gather with your guides and guardians, your angel teams, your healing teams, spirit teams, totems, ancestors, all those you like to journey with the Kimi drum with. And there's a castle fire. It's in the center. So let's gather around that council fire in that virtual way we know how to do. Coming close. Make that good circle around that fire. Good. As we call in these seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition, with that Kimi drum is the linker of worlds. So let's do that. We welcome from the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we may see things clearly. And we welcome from the north to House of Night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. We greet from the West, the House of Transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. We greet from the south, the house of eternal sun. May right action give us the harvest 
so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. Welcome from above the house of paradise, where the star people and the ancestors gather. May their blessings reach us now. from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmonies so that we might end war. And we welcome from the central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Ayam Hunapku Even Maya Imaho. Ayam Hunapku Even Maya Imaho. Ayam Hunapku Even Maya Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. Home Atakriyasin. In Nakashakin, you are me and I am the other you. <laughs> so. Let's just stay wherever that drumbeat took you. As I take a few moments to, we take a few moments to look at the Mayan calendar for today. And today we start another 10 days of those portal days. So right in a row. And so it's a nine Kimi, the white solar world bridger. It's kin number 126. And we've got, Ten of them in a row, so uh, it's a good day to start. <laughs> that interdimensionality that we receive with these galactic activation portals, and so let's take a look at Kimi with that Kimi drum we just were working with. And <clears throat> Kimi is is the world bridger, so it's. And it's a nine Kimi, so it's the white solar world bridger today. And um, the mantra for today, well, let's look at the, those tones. The solar tone, its three key words are pulse, realizing, and intention. It's those three threes activating, so it's a very powerful tone. And Kimi, three keynotes, the world bridger, or the Linker of Worlds, either here their name works, equalizes opportunity and death. 
So a good day to let go of the, what no longer serves us and any fears or anything that doesn't need to be in your life anymore. Let it go. And uh, so that's the opportunity of the day. We're working with that opportunity of change that way. The earth lives off change and grows from death. So it's the equalizer as well. So Kimi is a... Oh, oh, yeah, here's the mantra. I pulse in order to equalize, realizing opportunity. I seal the store of death with the solar tone of intention. I'm guided by the power of spirit. So the guide today is the white wind and the support for today is the red skywalker. And we are challenged by the <laughs> yellow warrior and we're working with the spirit energy, the occult energy of the blue eagle today, that man energy. So there's a that's the the outlook for today. So let's look at Kimi as a warrior aspect. And its its work is about forgiveness and moving into a state of grace. So we embrace these gifts of being that world bridger, that bridging between the past and the future, and that gift of transmutation that comes with this energy. So let's let go of, of that which is no more, let go of the ego, any controlling behavior, or the let go of the belief that life is a struggle. We don't need that. And so then, moving on to tomorrow, it's a Tan Manique, the blue planetary hand, and another portal day. So we're working with the full moon at the 6.59 a.m. Eastern Time. So we're really strongly in that full moon energy right now. Um, and... So let's look at Monique a little closer with see what this energy of full moon is going to bring us. Monique is a hand, or it's also a deer, and it's a healing aspect. Uh, I had a deer once I named Monique. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, it's definitely a healing aspect, and deer are definitely healing forest animals in my neck of the woods. So he, the work of Monique is... In, is that healing self and and others and creating contentment and peace and it's about accepting um, the divinity of ourselves. So we have these gifts of being that healer of humankind and that ability to open new doors. So let's let go of any distraction, any belief in inadequacy or any procrastination as we embrace these energies tomorrow on Saturday, and we do that work with that 10, that planetary, it's the, it's the blue planetary hands, that 10 tone. So it's it's about man, that manifestation uh, of what we've been putting together. Let's, let's manifest what we've been dreaming. And then moving on to Sunday, it's uh, 11 Lamont, and that is the yellow spectral star. So... <clears throat> the the Stargate. So let's uh, work it in. It's again a portal day, and we're working this, with this visionary aspect. So Lamont, it, the Stargate is definitely a visionary aspect. So let's 
work with um, illumination of humankind. Let's work with opening that stargate. And let's embrace these gifts of that journeying, that pioneer spirit, and having that power to see beyond the gate. So let go of any dissonance, any self-doubt as we embrace these energies on Sunday. And then on Monday, it's a 12 look. And that's um, the moon. So it's, it's the red crystal moon, which is in it's an, the moon is an artist aspect. So we're working with that wise use of rational mind. We're working with accepting spirit's directions. As we embrace these gifts of having that contact with spirit, we're in another portal day. They, they, they keep coming all week <laughs> along with the solar flares. So remember what we came here to do. Remember that universal mind is your mind and use your telepathy. As we let go of any insensitivity, any attachment to omens or any self-doubt, we embrace these energies on Monday. And then on Tuesday, another portal day, the white cosmic dog. So it's a 13 ox. That means we are finishing up the wave of Etznob and moving on to a new wave. And this is that promise of change as we we uh, collect what we've been doing for those 13 days and manifest what needs to be changed and uh, move on. So. Um, we do that with this dog energy, that unconditional love. It's an artist aspect, and it's about healing the pain of the past. And it's also working with our contact with our spirit guides and uh, our awareness of destiny, our awareness of past lives. And we work with our loyalty to humankind. We... <clears throat> that the dog brings us as gifts. So let's let go of any fears, any unwise use of anger, and it's also a portal day. And so that's Tuesday, and then on Wednesday we begin a new wave. And so it's a one-two on the blue magnetic monkey. And so we're going to be working in the wave of the monkey. And so let's look at the monkey. It's an artist aspect as well. So we're balancing work and play and paying attention to clarity of mind in that wise use of magical artistry. As we embrace these gifts of innocence, spontaneity, that ability to play and laugh and remember to enjoy ourselves (laughs) as we let go of any insensitivity, any jadedness, any resistance to compassion. We embrace these energies. On Wednesday and for the next 13 days, we will be in this wave of the monkey. So we'll be balancing work and play and working with innocence and spontaneity. Then moving on to Thursday, it is February the 29th, midday, and it's called Hunabku. 0.0. And so let's work with the Hunab coup. <laughs> let's work with the energies that this special day brings us. I remember requesting my vision quest on that day 
back in 2008. It's always in an election year. If you ever forget, when's Leap Day? It's in an election year if you're in this country. So, anyway, it's a powerful day to set intentions about something. Dream it up. Who not cool? You're working with it. That's source energy all day long. So, work it. And then on Friday we come back. It's a two ebb, the yellow lunar human. And it's also a portal day. So working with ebb, we're working with the healer aspect. Ebb is the human. So the yellow human. And uh, we do our work. We work with that enlightenment of humankind. We activate cosmic consciousness. And we attuned to spirit as we go about that day. So embrace these gifts of being that human servant warrior. Embrace the gift of abundance that's for all of humans. And the more we give, the more we receive. So let's work with our contact with other dimensions and let go of any dependence on the analytical mind as we do any of that. So again, it's another portal day. So a lot going on just help us tolerate these solar flares even better, I'm sure. Have places for that energy to go. Keep giving. So with that, I'm going to change my hat. And we are a listener-supported radio program. I'd like to do the housekeeping for the week. And so I want you to know that we have a magical amount due for BBS radio. Each week we accrue a certain amount, and we ended up with a an overdue from a balance mistake from last the last December, and so that bumped us up a little bit. But we've got a magical number to work with. We owe for BBS Radio one thousand one hundred and eleven dollars. And if you write that down, that's one 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 one, and put it however you want. Magic can happen. Let's all pitch in. Let's see what we can do. We're at the the end of the month and let's 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 work on this and embrace the magic um if you've never contributed before this would be a perfect time to do it this is a good time to start so let me tell you how to do it go into your heart space ask what is yours to give and then go to bbsradio.com and there you need to click on the schedule and you'll see they have a schedule for radio station one Radio Station 2, you want to click on Radio Station 1 to find this program. So it's listed at the 8 o'clock hour on Fridays. And as you click on the icon that is there, it'll take you directly to our account with BBS Radio, where you all you need to do is use your bank card and make that donation in any amount right there on that page. So thank you for taking that action. And then you'll find... On the 8 o'clock hour on Thursdays, a night at the round table. And these are central times. So as you click on that icon there, that'll take you right to our account with BBS Radio. And then on Radio Station 2 at the 3.30 hour on Saturday, we've got another program that lasts all day. <laughs> and you'll find our icon there. Listen at the 3.30 hour, the true history of the Sarah and our galactic origins with Tara and Rama. And uh, as you click on that icon, you can just take that same action. You can do it all three times. 
<laughs> all three places. However you want to do it, we are so grateful for your contributions. We are so grateful to gather each week this way, in this format, do this work, and be get those uh, teachings that we get and that community that we get, receive, and as we all work on ourselves to uh, get better every day and, uh, yeah, stretch ourselves spiritually and and in community, this is a good way to do it. So thank you for uh, participating this way, and thank you for taking that action, and let's see what we can do with that magic number of 1111 <laughs> for the amount of money we owe BBS Radio. And lots of gratitude for the people at BBS for their patience and, uh, and for all that they do, keeping those archives and the replays going as, as we need them. And just so much gratitude. To TJ and Don and Doug each week. So thank you for taking that action and uh, keeping us and gathering in the family this way. And uh, thank you for your lives and all the ways that you show up in your lives. And I'm sure if you work on that one 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 in a good way, you will receive many more one 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 ones back at you. So take a chance. Let's do it. And let's make it happen. So we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And they need $200 this week for their living expenses and $200 for the car. And that should that, that will bring them up to what they need for the car. And we're so grateful that that's all they need. And uh, so, oh, yeah, and they do have $50 more that they own on the electric bill. So they need another $50. So that all together is four fifty, and we're grateful for all the assistance you can do. Here's how we do it: you can access the PayPal account for Rainbow Roundtable by going to the web address or to the link that you see in the updates. And as you click on that, <clears throat> the web address it is <laughs> RainbowRoundtable.net. And there on the home page, you can click on a donate link right there at the top of the page on the right on the bar, right on the right end of it. And there's another place if you're on a different device and have the menu grid. Click on that menu grid and look for the listing that's at right next to the the last listing on that page. And that's the donate link there. And as you click on it, that takes you to the Rainbow Roundtable PayPal account. Rainbow Roundtable PayPal account has an email address as you choose the gifting option or friends and family as it's known as well. You need this email address to put in that line <laughs> where it says email address you're, you're gifting to. So here's the email address for Rainbow Roundtable. Please take this down so you know what address to use. It is Koran, K-O-R-A-N. Nine 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 at hotmail dot com. That's the email you want to put in that position right there. Usually you don't get that from Tara because she can't remember to give it to you, and Rama couldn't remember last night either. But 
I'm the professional housekeeper here, so I'm telling you, <laughs> use that email address for gifting, and that makes your money go further. We're grateful for that, and we're not a commercial service. We are. Uh, this is a donation and a gift, and it applies to that, so that's the way you want to do it. However, either way, it's perfect. If you can't figure it out, we're fine with just doing however shows up. And so we're grateful for your gifts. We're grateful for all the ways that you show up in your lives and grateful that you're here tonight. So um, 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. Uh, we want you to let Rama know when you're sending something to, to the Rainbow Roundtable account so that he knows how to plan his life. And so... If you would do that, that email to let Rama know is Koran999 at Comcast.net. I'll say it again. Koran999 at Comcast.net. And, yeah, let them know what you sent and when you sent it. And then also, as you need it, there's a mailing address. It is Ram D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. Post Office Box 280280, and that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567 is the zip code. I'll say it again. Ron Berkowitz, Post Office Box 280280, 280, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. So there you have it. There it all is. So much gratitude to all of you. Thank you so much for your uh, gifts and all the ways that you show up. And thank you for assisting this week. We're so grateful for you. So 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. I'm passing this talking stick. It is really funny because the gnomes said that they're going to leap all the way there because it's leap week. And so, so the little people are there, the, lots of fairies and feathers, and everybody's having a good time, and they like solar flares, as they said, uh, because it makes them higher all the time. So um, we've got all kinds of healing rays from the universe on this stick, and we have that sort of truth that's there, Excalibur, and we also have the rainbow, and that, uh, yeah, for that Kimi day. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking kick. Welcome. Greetings. Greetings. Rama's dragging his wagon today, everybody. Send him some good vibrations. Yeah, it's been a rough one with the solar flares and the energies. And um, I'm just riding the waves. Well, we thank you for support and presence. And it brings a good feeling in our hearts to just share with you that as Rama was saying, the energies are moving higher and higher every day and people are adjusting. <laughs> they are and, as best they can. Well, you never let the good rest, right? No. Till it's better and best. 
Let us put an end to war. Yes, war is never the answer. Love is always the answer. And uh, we'll be playing Amy tomorrow. Yes. Padme made a good suggestion to put it to the next day. And so that the meditations that we get to and 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 the sharings that we get to share with everybody in that vibration doesn't uh, get interrupted at the moment. Yet um, today, Ramos says here, he said, I did not talk to anyone today. Rama spent the whole day in Santa Fe. It took all day to get the car um, repaired. Yeah. And then Rama took it to the gas station to fill it up and come home around five or so. And it didn't start again when he came back out to start the car after getting the gas. So he called uh, Carlos from ET's Auto Repair. And he came and told him, here, take my car for the weekend. There are some adjustments that need to be made. So he said he'd take care of it over the weekend. So here we are. Everything's being supportive of all the things we go through. And there's tremendous high positive energy everywhere right now. So, again... Rama said, I did not talk to anyone today. I tried. Um, I was waiting for our shuttlecraft, Ruby Ray, to get her battery rebuilt. I, I stayed, no, what does it say? I sat in an arroyo behind the shop where 20 to 30 crows were sitting above my head on a power on some power lines squawking up a storm one at a time each crow would swoop down toward me almost touch me and then fly back up to the power lines anyway that was a how long did that go on for? About an hour, huh, Ron? Yeah. That's a long time to play that game. <laughs> All right. So there was an X-Class 6.7 solar flare today. The last X-Class solar flare, as high as this one today, took place seven years ago in 2017. Um... Um, continue to work with this higher, these higher energies. Stay in the high heart and place the violet fire shot. Nam, namaste. So that's the word, and I guess you got to play that thing right now. Okay. It's 15 minutes, right? 13. 13, thank God. Right now we're going to play something from this Aurora is Ray. Aurora Ray, ultimate 5D, 5-minute 5D heart opening. Here we go.
10,000-year-old secret that was given to humans who were meditating in caves by the Pleiadians. It's a technology that connects you to the collective consciousness of Ascended Masters to raise your own consciousness and frequency by utilizing a specific combination of simple and easy-to-use methods. These sacred teachings are meant for the spiritual warriors of light at this time. They are the number one secret I've been using myself for years to create a life of prosperity in all things. Prosperity is not only money, but love, relationships, health, happiness, and joy. Prosperity is enough energy in the system to enjoy life to its fullest. In this video, I'm going to share a simple technique with you that you can implement right now for super fast results. A lot of people don't know this, but the reason why I've been able to ascend to a 5D lifestyle of super abundance so fast is because of one thing. In this video, I'll share exactly what that one thing is, and I'll show you how you can implement it as well. So make sure you watch this entire video. Now, before we do that, let us recap what I covered in the last two videos. I showed you that we've arrived at the moment in time where we have to jump timelines. The age of Aquarius has entered our reality and the warriors of light who have incarnated on Earth must be rapidly activated into their powers now. The warrior of light is the one who is spiritual mature at this time. They are the ones who are looking for a higher and deeper purpose in life, in relationships and business. They feel they're called for more, but they lack the clarity, direction and energy to manifest it. So if you're watching this right now, there is absolutely no doubt that you are a warrior of light. And what's more is that you carry a coding, a blueprint within you that corresponds to the master manifestation number 1111. I explained why the warrior kundalini activation technique works better than anything else I've seen so far because it can shift you from one dimension to another in just a few minutes compared to other technologies that require 20 years to do what this one does in one year. I also shared exactly how you can get started immediately with the warrior activation technique in just two minutes per day. So in case you haven't watched the first two videos yet, make sure you do that right now because I covered a lot of crucial ascension information and activation tools in those videos and you definitely should not miss out on them. Now, I'm really excited because I'll share something with you that has made my life so much easier and nobody else teaches this. I call it the 5D heart opener. You can use it to quickly open the heart chakra to feel the joys of life. When the heart chakra is strong and open, old wounds can heal and defenses begin to drop away. We're most aligned with our real self when we have the strength to stay open and connected. It will help you to grow out of fear and attachment and lead you into a state of spiritual awakening and feelings of oneness with all of creation. So let me walk you through exactly how it works and how you can start using it today to create enough energy in the system to enjoy life to the fullest. So you'll have a tool to manifest prosperity a lot easier and faster. So you're going to sit in easy pose, cross-legged, and we're going to make a lotus mudra. So this is the side of the thumbs 
the base of the palms and the tips of the pinky fingers touching. The rest of the fingers are spread and forming the lotus flower, the lotus petals. You're going to bring the hands four to five inches in front of the heart. You're going to begin long, deep and slow breathing. And you're going to focus the eyes at the tips of your thumbs. And you're going to chant with the mantra, Adi Shakti, Adi Shakti, Adi Shakti, Namo Namo, Sarva Shakti, Sarva Shakti, Sarva Shakti, Namo Namo, Pritam Bhagavati, Pritam Bhagavati, Pritam Bhagavati, Namo Namo, Kundalini, Mata Shakti, Mata Shakti, Namo Namo. The mantra verses mean, I bow to the primal power. I bow to the all-encompassing power and energy. I bow to all that God creates. And I bow to the creative power of the Kundalini, the divine mother energy. It's okay if you can't get the words right the first time. Just mimic the sound because it's most important to connect to the sound current. That is the frequency you want to create.
deep exhale and relax that's a new level of magic that you haven't experienced until now right now i want you to try doing this one more time on your own sometime this week so you can start seeing and feeling a different frequency and have a new experience of life And if you've enjoyed this technique, I've got some great news. In my upcoming Ascension Activation training, the Warrior of Light Activation, I'll be giving away all my best tricks, such as the Kriya we just did together. It's packed with mantras, meditation, pranayama, sound healing, and yogic exercises that are specifically combined into sets that bring prosperity into your life and awaken your cosmic memories to your role as a spiritual warrior of light for the great ascension of Gaia and humanity during this golden age of Aquarius. The course is going to launch in a few days, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled on Sunday, March the 3rd at 10 a.m. PST. Only those who registered their emails on my early bird waiting list will be invited to go on this epic journey with me to activate your primal life force energy, the Kundalini, and step into your powers. This is going to be the best and most up-to-date training I've ever released, and it contains everything about how to use the warrior Kundalini activation technique for your 5D ascension the realization of your dreams and the final light body creation. In the next video, I'll show you the complete blueprint from beginning to end that you need to follow to change your whole life around and ultimately manifest all your desires for prosperity in all things. I'm literally drawing the curtains and showing you every single step you have to take. So you don't want to miss that video because I'll literally share the complete 5D game plan with you. 
Thank you so much for watching this video and stay tuned for the next video. And in case you haven't put your email on my early bird waitlist yet, go do that right now so you can get notified when the next free video of my six video series is out. I'll see you there. Okay, everybody, well, we're going to have Rama give us the phone numbers here. We can go to our conference call. 720-716-7300. Uh, and the pin code is 353-863-POUND. Uh, maybe one more time. How about that? 720 uh, 720-716- Seven three zero one, and the pin code is three five three eight six three pound. Okay, we'll see you there, everyone, and then we'll be right back here on BBS Radio at the top of the next hour. Satnam for now. See you on the conference.
Hi, Precious Heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Today, the company of heaven is reminding us that in 2023, through myriad activities of light that were orchestrated by awakening humanity and the beings of light who have been assisting the evolutions of Earth for millennia, Mother Earth at long last reached a frequency of vibration that allowed our solar system to God victoriously ascend into the full embrace of our grand central sun. In order for us to grasp the magnitude of just what this means, our Father, Mother, God are revealing that since our fall from grace into the abyss of separation and duality, which took place eons ago, the sons and daughters of God evolving on earth have been struggling lifetime after lifetime to raise our energy, vibration, and consciousness effectively enough for Mother Earth to catch up with the rest of our solar system. At long last, this seemingly miraculous event has happened and changed the course of history for humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth. Now, as we progress into 2024, we are beginning to experience the full impact of the life-transforming frequencies of light from our grand central sun and the beings of light who are assisting us from that system of worlds. These highly evolved sons and daughters of God were previously far beyond our vibrational reach. Now, however, they are standing in readiness, awaiting the invitation to assist us in previously unknown ways that will elevate our creativity and teach us how to envision the exquisite patterns of perfection we are destined to co-create for the fifth dimensional crystal and solar new earth. These are patterns that at this moment are truly beyond our ability to conceive of through our physical senses, our finite minds, or even our wildest imaginations. Fortunately, the beings of light from our grand central sun have told us that this is a temporary situation. In fact, they have said, the greatest need of the hour for humanity in 2024 is for our I am presence to enhance our creative faculties of thought and feeling by elevating our senses of sight, sound, smell, touch, taste, and intuition to brand new levels. Only then will we be able to actually perceive the awesome patterns of perfection for the fifth dimensional crystal and solar new earth. This is a necessary part of our ascension process in order for us to be able to co-create these patterns tangibly in the world of form. 
to help us comprehend this truth. The beings of light are reminding us of our purpose and reason for being embodied on earth at this time. In the beginning, as sons and daughters of God, our purpose and reason for being embodied on earth was for each of us to learn how to use our free will and our creative faculties of thought and feeling to become co-creators with our Father, Mother, God. The original divine plan was for us to observe through the multidimensional awareness of our I am presence, all of the patterns of perfection reverberating within the causal body of God. Then, through our individual perceptions and our unique ways of thinking and feeling, we were to co-create new patterns of perfection using our creative faculties in previously unknown ways that expanded the borders of the kingdom of heaven on earth. At a point in our evolutionary process, we made the fateful decision to begin experimenting with our thoughts and feelings in ways that were not based in love. The resulting miscreations eventually caused the horrific event we now refer to as our fall from grace. When this occurred, humanity lost the ability to perceive the patterns of perfection in the causal body of God. We also lost the ability to hear the intuitive inner guidance from our I am presence. This tragic situation prevented us from remembering that our destiny is to become co-creators with our God-parents. Consequently, over eons of time, humanity's miscreations, which have been both inadvertently and deliberately created through our negative thoughts and feelings, have caused unbearable pain and suffering for humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth. The reason the company of heaven is reminding us of this information now is because over the past several decades, the light work of awakening humanity has step by step resulted in gradually reversing the adverse effect of our fall from grace. Through the monumental shifts of energy, vibration, and consciousness that have been accomplished through the divine intervention of humanity's I am presence, our Father, Mother, God, the company of heaven, and every I am presence is now able to fully integrate into his or her heart flame once again. This life transforming event is allowing our I am presence to tangibly communicate with us intuitively. In order to experience this inner guidance, all we have to do is take the time to go within to the divinity of our heart flame and to ask our I am presence for guidance. Then, of course, we need to take the time to listen to that inner guidance. 
Every day, people around the world are awakening to this profound truth. Literally hundreds of millions of people are becoming aware that their I am presence and the beings of light in the realms of illumined truth are standing in readiness, awaiting our invitation for them to assist us with the next phase of our divine plans. Even though we are unique and no two people have volunteered for the exact same divine plan, we have all volunteered for a divine plan that will, in one way or another, help us to move forward in the light and to make progress on our journey home to the heart of our Father Mother God. The company of heaven is now revealing that collectively, since the birth of this decade, 2020 to 2030, awakening humanity's light work in collaboration with the company of heaven has raised the frequency of vibration for Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her to the highest level we have ever experienced. This has allowed our planet to catch up with the rest of our solar system for the very first time since our fall from grace. But our Father, Mother, God, and the beings of light from our grand central sun want us to realize is that the new patterns of perfection they are ready to help us co-create, pulsate with frequencies of light, images, patterns, colors, fragrances, musical tones, potential experiences, and possibilities far beyond anything we have ever perceived or even imagined. Since our creative faculties consist of our thoughts and feelings, without the ability to even imagine these higher expressions of life, it will be impossible for us to co-create them without raising our consciousness and our senses. For that very reason, our Father, Mother, God, and the beings of light from our grand central sun are revealing that the greatest need of the hour for humanity's progress in 2024 is for the I am presence of each and every one of us to raise our creative abilities and our physical senses to a fifth dimensional level of consciousness. We are being assured that with our sincere heart call, our I am presence in the company of heaven will guide us step by step through myriad activities of light in 2024 that will help us to gently activate and elevate our fifth dimensional creative abilities and our fifth dimensional senses of sight, sound, smell, touch, 
taste and intuition. Dear one, this week, contemplate this information and see how you can most effectively apply this information to enhance your light work. Ask your I am presence and the beings of light who are now assisting us from the grand central sun for guidance. Then listen and pay attention. You will be amazed at the intuitive ideas that begin to pop into your conscious mind and awareness. God bless you. I look forward to being with you next week. Goddessy Nana, all right. Welcome to this Goddess Inanna transmission, the loss and re-emergence of the Divine Feminine. The myth of Inanna outlines the loss and re-emergence of the Goddess energy on the Earth. In the myth she leaves through seven gates and at each gate she surrenders a piece of clothing or jewellery. This represents the gradual loss of the Divine Feminine on the Earth Plane. In the myth, after a period of absence, she is allowed to return. She comes back through seven gates, and at each gate is a return of the gifts and jewellery, representing the power of the Goddess. Now we're at the time of the return of the Goddess, and this opening begins in the West, in Western culture, and from there radiates out to the rest of the world. So as always, for this transmission, open, soften, relax, open body position, open mind position, and breathe. Breathing light into your body with the in-breath. The in-breath is allowing light to flow to you from the universe around 360 degrees. When you fill yourself with light on the outbreath, release anything in your body that's of a lower frequency, other people's energy or lower frequency programming release back to the universe.
allowing more light to return to you. Light into the body. You're a strand on the great web of life, a strand on the great web of life. And as you breathe, light flows to you from 360 degrees into your body, into the physical body, into the etheric body, chakra system, anywhere in the physical body or etheric body, you're holding other people's energy release back to the universe. Just follow this cycle of breath, on the in-breath, opening to more light, and on the out-breath, shedding lower frequency energies. horizontal plane we call four angels beginning in the east with Raphael, Archangel of Air, Healer Magician. The symbol, a caduceus, a crystal wand with golden stakes entwined, topped with golden wings, a very ancient symbol. Focus on the symbol, you call the energy of the angel, which is emerald green fire. Breathe that fire into the body of bone, blood, organs, structures in the body, digestive system, reproductive system, nervous system. Emerald green fire into these bodies, clear, cleanse and align the physical body and the etheric body. Releasing what can be released. Just breathe open, breathe and open. South, let's call Michael, Archangel of Fire, Warrior Protector Angel. The symbol of this angel is a sword, silver sword. The energy is electric blue fire. Breathe that fire into your field as you focus on the sword. Allow that energy to clear, cleanse and align your field. Clear, cleanse and align your field.
two angels, two fires. Open, soften, relax, breathing, following the cycle of breath, allowing these two energies to adjust your field, to clear your field. Gabriel, Archangel of Water. Symbol is a silver chalice and the energy is diamond white fire. Call that fire around you like a waterfall of light. Clear and cleanse your field with this energy, diamond white fire. Clearing particularly fear or anxiety in your body, you've picked up in the 3D matrix. Clearing fear or anxiety in your body. Returning more light back to you. More light back to you. Archangel of Earth. The symbol of this angel is a golden pentacle, a five-pointed star in a circle of light. As you focus on this symbol, you call the energy of the angel to you, which is ruby red fire. Allow that fire into your body, wherever it needs to go, clearing and cleansing the physical and etheric bodies of lower frequency energies. Four angels, four fires, just allowing them to adjust, to adjust your field, to adjust your field. Sandalphon of the Earth Grid, Sandalphon of the Earth. Bring up that crystalline grid of the Earth up to the feet. That energy up to the legs, up to the base chakra, 
opens, as a great sphere of light opens. Allow the energy to sweep through the body to the sacral center that opens. Sacral, a great sphere of light opens. that energy to sweep up to the solar plexus that opens, a great sphere of light opens. Allow the energy to sweep up to the heart, anchoring into the heart as it opens, a great sphere of light. Allow all chakras from the heart downwards to align with the earth, to align with the earth. As this is happening, let's call to Metatron from the sun, the central sun, to bring down the Christ grid, the golden white fire, down into the space where you're sitting, down into the room, down to the top of head that opens, chakra opens, a great sphere of light opens. Down to third eye in the center of the head that opens, a great sphere of light opens, opens. Down to the throat that opens, a great sphere of light opens. Down to the heart that opens. Anchoring that energy into the heart. Allowing all chakras in the heart upwards to align with the Christ grid. Six angels around you, just adjusting your field. Four fires and two grids. Two grids of light and into this, let's invoke your higher self and all guides, ascension teams that want to be with you now. Guides and teams in spirit, any star beings or angels that want to work with you. Your team in spirit, the highest light and resonance, come be with you now. Come be with you now.
down and soften and relax. And let's invoke the timeline, first of all, of the loss of the goddess, the loss of the goddess through seven gates on this planet. that loss really began back in Lemuria as the continent of Lemuria left and sank, the goddess left also and there was a descent in vibration on the planet, a gradual descent from 5D to 4D. And the next civilization of Atlantis in 4D, as this civilization fell, there was a tremendous loss of the Divine Feminine also. A shift on the planet away from the Feminine towards more masculine systems on the planet, more masculine energies, a reverence of the masculine over the Feminine. And then there were other energies of Atlantis and colonies around the globe. And as these fell one by one, fell into darkness there was another gate the goddess left the planet third gate leaving and there were other gates through which the goddess left the planet and most mainstream religions in their own way help in this loss of energy from judaism buddhism christianity and islam all of these in their own way promoted a loss of the Divine Feminine on the planet. And there was a loss of feminine energy. And with this loss, there was a great sense of abandonment and grief for many on the planet. If there is any energy of loss, the ancient energy of loss or grief, within you. Breathe and give it permission now to arise in your psyche, arise in your energy field, arise for healing and release. Any energies of loss or shock or grief, the retreat of the feminine as this dimension of the earth plane became more focused on the external plane rather than the inner planes of reality. There was a great shift and in this shift a greater separation consciousness arose, more suffering, pain, more dominated systems of control arose on the planet and even though there were remnants of the goddess religion Mostly the planet became one of patriarchy. And just open now to the light of the angels around you and the grids from the sun and the earth to hold this space within you. Any old energies, emotions, stories, patterns of loss or betrayal or shock can be released in your field released in your field.
feminine. The first gate opened in the 60s, and through this gate come the energy of flower power, love, a major wave of feminism, new developments in computing, spiritual teachers and channels began to emerge on the planet. And one of these channels was Seth, and the idea was birthed of we create our own reality individually and collectively. was the first gate of the return of the feminine and just tune into the energy of that gate now that return as the goddess begins to return through the earth and through the Christ grids to you remembering the energy of that gate return of the feminine open now to the great goddess Inanna and her return the re-emergence of the Divine Feminine on the planet. And breathe and open, remembering this energy and this gate. And along with this gate, there was a second gate in the 90s, where many began to awaken and shift into 4D. More pioneering teachers emerged, the internet emerged, the energy of Inanna was returning and the pace of this return was increasing. Open now to the energy of this gate as the Divine Feminine returns to the planet. Feel this energy through the grids of the earth and the sun. As Inanna returns through the earth, all kingdoms of the earth, awakening the kingdoms of the earth to a higher light and through the sun, awakening humanity to a higher light. third gate that opened just before the trigger point of 2012 the ascension trigger point many began to wake up to the nature of ascension and their true role as a star seed on the planet the return of Inanna quickened as the collective chose the return of the divine feminine a global reset was put into motion. At this point, there was really no turning back.
energy of this gateway. Breathe, open, soften, relax. And we're now in the fourth gate that really opened between 2014 and 19. And in this gate, most of the star seeds on the planet were due to awaken at this time. Greater volatility on the planet, the old systems of patriarchy are challenged more severely. Feel the energy of this gate we're in now, this fourth gate, as the goddess Inanna returns to the planet. ascension grid returning through both grids breathe open Allow the energy of Anana to radiate within your being. Radiate within your being. gate is due to open around 2020 to 2022. And this gate heralds another major influx of new starseeds on the planet, a new wave of starseeds. More changes in the collective consciousness new ways of thinking, new possibilities. At this point, there's a shift, strong shift on the planet away from darkness as more light floods into the planet. coming gateway, 
soften, relax, absorb the light of this coming gateway in your body now. to 2032. Another major influx of new starseeds, new starseeds. The planet shifts into more light. Darkness is finally dispelled from the planet. So more enlightened leadership entering into all systems of the planet and systems begin changing. All systems, political, economic, financial, shift into more light.
further down the line, a seventh gate is due to open, heralding the complete return of the feminine. This gate somewhere around 2050, balancing of masculine and feminine energies on the planet within the individual and collective systems, open to this seventh gate now. Seven gates, heralding the return of the great goddess Inanna, re-emergence of the divine feminine on the planet. And feel the full force of her return through the earth, up to the heart, in all systems of your body. sun down to the heart in all systems of your body, all layers of the light field, the return of the goddess Inanna in your body.
masculine and feminine energies within you to be rebalanced, rebalanced. Allow more light in your field. goddess offers you a symbol of light, a symbol of light representing the return of the feminine in these seven gates. symbol of light to form in front of you. It may be anything from a flower, crystal, sacred geometry, sacred image, representing the return of the divine feminine in your field and all the gifts of the divine feminine. Gifts of intuition, imagination, magic, the ability to journey in the inner planes, the greater cohesiveness between the conscious and unconscious minds. A synergy between left and right brain. A synergy between ego and higher self. Breathe open and allow. all angels around you, Uriel, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, allowing these four angels in the horizontal plane to step back with thanks. release of the grids from your heart not completely releasing the intensity of these grids the intensity of these grids allowing the return of the goddess within you first she's being reborn in the collective consciousness.
And this transmission is, is offered to you as always with love and blessings, love and blessings. are all servants of peace. Greetings, Mother. In the light, of the most radiant one, in the office of the Christ, and only in the office of the Christ, we invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain. And we ask at this time for the light of 10,000 suns <laughs> to fill our hearts, to open our hearts, to invite all that is to be at one with all of us. Uh, since we are one and in the living light of the sun may we continue to pass every test thank you mother for coming joining us again tonight I pass this talking stick to you greetings greetings children of Ra <laughs> is it Hot enough in the kitchen. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Things are moving quite nicely. It looks like it's going pretty fast, Mother. Quantum light speed. Yes, and we send more love. We don't get caught. In the web of darkness. Let's let that one all go, right? Yes. The darkness is being dispelled. Mm. 
26,000 years is enough. I think so. We're starting a new yuga, sat yuga, four times longer than Kali yuga. Yes. Can we handle it? <sighs> Love in the cells. Love in the cells. It's it's a good time to be here and alive and it is a glorious time to be alive. And the most intense because we asked to show up now. We did with all the ramifications of what it means. What's being said? This energy coming in this time like Inanna we are moving through the seven gates <clears throat> each gate energies get a little higher a little more intense Seven, there's seven again, seven gates, huh? Yes. Do we do it with alchemy then? Yes. It is this work of lifting the temple body up to handle the light coming in. Why Aurora Ray is sharing with us what's being in the realm of manifestation for thousands of years, how to merge the consciousness with the body to handle the light coming in. It's quite a cosmic dance. We like to dance. Yes. Yes, I like to dance too, Mother. We like to dance. What we could say about the situations on the planet. Place the violet fire. It is a tough one to go through this not 
feeling. Pardon? It is a tough one to go through this, not feel the heaviness of what's mm -hmm. happening. Uh, well, I can feel that, and also I can feel there's never been such a high vibrational consciousness and increase in light. I don't think it's ever quite been here before. No, it's this time around we get it right. Not to say that we haven't gotten it right before. Well, All is in perfect divine order. As what Patty was speaking about, the, she calls us the company of heaven, the galactic forces of all the different realms. What's being lifted higher are these cells. It, it is awesome to behold. as these folks were to realize how powerful we are. It is with great love, great respect, great responsibility. We are creator goddesses and gods of the Most High. And this moment being laid out before us in lavender how to change this lavender lad leading the way violet flame light I liked what uh, Steve Nobel was saying is that this quality of higher light is permeating all areas politics, education, science, communication. As we can get past these ideas about false gods showing up saying stuff that separates the mind from the heart. We're talking about our wayward children who played around and fell.
and our egos also got in the way. We all played not just the big ones. Everybody here has it has once been said as you are here in a body welcome to the adventure it is an adventure to be here to go through this unscathed it's place to live with fire with all of what's going on. Our wayward children know their time's up and the sun keeps pumping out the light that's transforming the planet, transforming us. We cannot say, cannot say a day or a time, but you feel it, you know it. Mm -hmm. It's happening, even though nobody has rung a bell. It is this wave of light that's coming in, that's changing how folks are seeing things, interacting with each other, the flora, the fauna, the animals, all life. There is this sense of urgency, utmost urgency. And yes, we can say it is the need of the hour at hand. For as many souls that are leaving right now and the conflicts going on, there are trillions of souls coming in here fully awake and uh, ready, so to speak. So all is not in vain, even though it looks like shit, and it's not. It is a challenge to get through it, and that's our mission here. These bodies were designed to be living, immortal, radiant suns, and we're getting there. It just takes 
what you might call time. Time is relative. As we spend our time worrying, that doesn't help. As we do the sadhana, working with the body, the temple, breathing, focusing on how we can change our thoughts. As we were to spend as we were to go into the various realms that are inside this living organism and these crazy ideas embryos are children it looks as desperate as can be mother all of life is sentient whether it is a single celled amoeba in a petri dish or what we're interacting with. All of life is sentient to the degree that you gotta take it to the quantum level because all the cells know it is part of this circle of life that it is how we interact and what has been a bit lost is the good red road as what was taught by Chief Seattle the other masters on this planet talk to the trees the grass, the rocks the beings known and unknown everybody's listening that's this symphony, which is called the music of the spheres. The music is in every, mm, let's say, movement of how things interact with each other. This harmony of the spheres of what your friend Katumi taught you as we listen to these harmonies of the spheres it lifts the body the temple up This is why there are so many folks 
coming forward and saying now is the time because we are ascending and it's a big deal. The light has won as much as we can say. It is fitting it together. And that is the task at hand. All these pieces of this cosmic jigsaw puzzle are coming together of their own accord. Yeah, we can land a hand and it completes the picture. And right now the force is moving the energies into place to make this happen. In spite of our best efforts to forget We're not going to get to forget, Mother. No. This will never be forgotten. That's what we've... You uh, you mentioned, um, you know, in the, uh, in the end of the biblical text, they were talking about in a hundred years we might go back, think that we could go back and do this other game again, and you said that's been canceled. That's an old timeline story that has no relevance to what we are experiencing. And so this other story then of a hundred thousand years of peace, quite quite a bit of experience with that. Um, I'm just wondering because they gave it a time limit or they're just saying throwing out a number like that it's not going to go backwards as we would say the Vedic teachings are a bit more accurate than the Western uh, teachings. Well, the thing I have a little challenge with with the Vedic teachings, they have it going forever. I mean, like, that we don't ever get over our stupidity. That is about how we get past our own noses. I'm not so happy about hearing all these hundreds of millions more years to get over our noses, past our noses. Let's say when you're in the oneness 
time goes like that. It is so Well, there's something called no time. That is what's happening right at this moment. We are moving into no time and letting the old go by the wayside. And as we spend more time in the oneness, so to speak, that is doing the spiritual work. It changes the brain waves, changes the thought forms, and you see, you physically see the dimensions change. Mm -hmm. That's why we can walk through walls and water. Whatever else seems to be the case. And we better be on our way long night still in yeah. Couple more hours, Mother. Light years for us to take a journey. Where are you going, Mother? We are going to Deneb. To Deneb. Deneb. It is in the Taurus constellation. And what's there? A galactic council meeting with the folks from the great Orion Council. Mm. On what was spoken about in El Anra. Light Council, Dark Council. It is about this completion of what's happening now, where suffice it to say, we're picking up our wayward children and moving on to Dracos so that things can be lifted higher here. And it's also for their highest good. It is because they asked to step out of the suffering, the samsara. Well, they look scared now because they're catching on that the people in the world have caught on to them. And yeah. You cannot fleece the energy out of the people or the planet forever. There is a limit. She's reached her limit. Mother Earth. Yeah. Mother Gaia. That's cool. Enough is enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> And with that comes an awakening that as you want to ascend, 
you go with the flow of the great river as you get stuck on the banks of the river things happen sometimes they're not so pretty it is our choice all of it and like we say we got light years to go before we sleep greetings in the light of the most radiant one Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh Adonai Samael Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh Adonai Samael Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh Adonai Samael Namaste, Mother. Namaste. Give this a little moment in time, everybody. There you are, Rama. Mm. Welcome back. <laughs> Where did you go? I was in some kind of... It reminded me of... I was some kind of purple pond with this purple water and the water was glowing with the soft lavender hue mm. and there were beings in the water and they reminded me of these I guess what we have on earth called manatees and they were swimming around rubbing up against me kind of like the way a cat rubs up against you <laughs> meow meow <laughs> it was uh, very pleasant but at the same time kind of unnerving because it was dark and it was soft light and just this purple water and I was just... You know, what planet were you on? I not... I think I was on Lady Master Athena's ship in one of the um, arboretums where they have mm. different pools for different 
life forms that, I mean, these ships are 12 levels deep, and there are forests, there are oceans, there are ponds, there are mountains, Mm -hmm. rivers, streams, everything we got here. So what life forms were... These were some kind of, they reminded me of manatees. And manatees are sort of like baby seals or mm, they swim in the water here on Earth. But these beings were um, had a silvery grayish color to them, which was like in the purple water. They kind of stood out. Hmm. Yeah, I sort of glowed. That's why I was like, hmm. (laughs) Oh, my. Adventures. Yeah, you were having quite an adventure. Yeah. But all these life forms are here that can interact with us. We just have to use our consciousness to talk to them. Well, I think we're learning something about bilocating lately. Yes. Not necessary to get in line to get on an airplane that... Oh, I don't think so. That's not the... These, they're not safe these days. No. So we're going to be uh, traveling in starships soon? Oh, sooner than I know how to speak about. (laughs) Well. Yeah. I'm not going to let my tongue get ahead of me. (laughs) This is, uh, uh, we're going to shift now. This is uh, 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 an interview by Michael Sandler with Christina Lopez. And she says, Earth's energy is speeding up. Why life feels so overwhelming and how to slow it down. Um, as you have ever wondered why time seems to live, everything feels compressed and like we are in a giant accelerator of change then you are not alone these are powerful signs we are in the awakening and that's the first stage and then purification is the second one and then embodiment to be it Mm -hmm. so this is one hour and 23 minutes and 52 seconds. Do you have it, Rama? Mm-hmm. That's ready to go? Mm. All right. Well, then let's get started. Let's do that. Mm. Okay. Mm. Are you bullish for our future? It's a pivotal time on planet Earth. 
And now what's happening is energy is moving faster. The more that the energy ascends on the planet, the more it shakes things up. And that means that all of the shadows are being brought to the surface. And the shadows within ourselves, shadows within our institutions, and all of that really is rattling. And what's happening at the level of diet is she is evolving faster than she has ever evolved before. Can you speak to the science of why Gaia, Mother Earth, everything energetically is over the top and getting more so? We have to remember that we're not the only ones evolving. So we are literally sitting on a sentient planet. You know, Gaia herself is a sentient being and she's evolving at her own pace also. So this is, there's a co-evolution occurring. So we chose to come down here and we're standing on this rock and this beautiful rock is sentient. She's darting through space. The whole galaxy is moving, the entire universe is moving. There was a higher purpose to this. We are encoded with a mission, with a, a task that we're, where we came down here for a reason. And that reason is. Are you ready to shine? Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Michael Sandler, your host on Inspire Nation. If you've ever wondered what in the world is the energy we're going through, and oh my gosh, are we going through it right now? <laughs> and if it can help your spiritual growth, then do we have the Christina Lopes Heart Alchemist show for you. Today we'll be talking about the energy going on in the world, what an awakening is, how to awaken, and even how to open your third eye and access your psychic powers. So welcome to the show, Christina. Are you ready to shine? <laughs> I am. <laughs> How are you, Michael? I am doing great. So Christina, before we dive right into things today, what is the swirling, polarizing, chaotic energy we're all feeling right now? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's, it's both an incredible time to be alive right now and a sometimes frustrating time to be alive and a difficult time to be alive. Um, it's just, you know, the more that the energy ascends on the planet, the more it shakes things up. And that means that all of the shadows are being brought to the surface at the same time also. And the shadows within ourselves, shadows within our institutions, within, you know, our big mega systems. And all of that really is rattling. And, and that creates a lot of internal chaos. And then the internal chaos is then spilled over outwardly because there's 7.5 billion of us down here. So, if each one of us is going through, you know, our healing work, things are surfacing from within that had never surfaced before. You multiply that by 7.5 billion people, and that creates a huge kind of layer of static on the planet that's causing a lot of problems, especially for people who are highly sensitive. So although it's amazing to be alive right now, those of us that chose to incarnate right now, we knew full well that it wasn't going to be easy to kind of make this transition. And that's what this lifetime is for us. It's a lifetime of transition. Um, you know, it's a pivotal time on planet Earth. And so it's it's it, it brings with it a lot of difficulties and a lot of challenges for sure. I see it as as I, 
I'm bullish. I'm very excited for the future. It is a duck and cover time. Don't get me wrong, but I call this yeah. this time, particularly 2024, the year of reinvention or the year of the pivot. Mm-hmm. Nothing of the old is allowed to stand in our personal lives, in the lives all around us. And I'm curious, I really want to get into your story in a minute, but um, I believe I was reading from you as well. All of the energies we're being bombarded with, even from the sun right now. Can you speak to the science of why... Um, Gaia, Mother Earth, everything energetically is kind of over the top and getting more so. Yeah. So we have to remember that we're not the only ones evolving. So we are literally sitting on a sentient planet. You know, Gaia herself is a sentient being and she's evolving at her own pace also. So this is, there's a co-evolution occurring. So we chose to come down here and we're standing on this rock and this beautiful rock is sentient and she's evolving. She's evolving at her own pace. And what's happening at the level of Gaia is she is evolving faster than she has ever evolved before. So the vibration is changing. It's changing very, very quickly. And we know this scientifically. You know, we know that we're just plunging through space faster and faster and faster. And so that that kind of scientific principle of us kind of, you know, this whole galaxy, I think it's I think it's moving through space at something like 70,000 miles an hour, which is something ridiculous. But we're barreling through space so quickly, and we're on top of this beautiful rock. She's darting through space. The whole galaxy is moving. The entire universe is moving. Universes are moving. And so all of this movement is occurring, and it's occurring faster and faster. So that is happening. Gaia is evolving. She's going through her own process and we're sitting on top of her. So, and we're going through our own processes. So all of this is happening at the same time. So, you know, once you really start getting into the, to the energy aspects of what's happening both individually and on a planetary level, I mean, it's no wonder that things are a little bit challenging down here sometimes, right, Michael? It makes sense. So I am a triathlete, among other things. In fact, I'm supposed to attend the world championships, not too far from where you're at earlier this year. But my baby needed a, we'll call it a heart tune-up. And she's doing absolutely phenomenally well. It's coincided at the same time. But when I go out on fast runs or fast bike rides or, or now with the cold water, really fast swims, <laughs> I, I, I call them uh, rivet runs. And a rivet run means, if you remember, uh, well, remember, Old school airplanes, World War One, World War Two. when they would push them to the limit, the rivets would pop out of them if they went too fast. And it feels like we're all being pushed to that point where the rivets pop out. And if I think to Gaia, if I think to the Schumann's resonance, uh, the vibration of the planet, from what I understand, literally, and it's something I'm gifted, what well, we all are if we take the time, but I'm gifted to be able to hear moment to moment is the frequency itself quickening. Yeah, yeah. It's quickening and, and you know, you bring up an important point, which is the, the, the energy that we used to have, uh, you know, from a planetary perspective, there's been, you know, thousands of years of a sort of a patriarchal kind of energy happening around the planet. So we have a very masculine dominant energy that's happened culturally on a societal level and on a planetary level. And now what's happening is young energy, masculine energy is very beautiful, but it's the energy of doing, 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 doing. And so culturally, we've kind of been programmed, do, 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 go, go, hustle, hustle, go, 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 go. And now we're having to relearn 
what it feels like to go with the flow. You don't have to be pushing. You don't have to be hustling. You don't have to be sprinting everywhere. And in fact, if you do that, if you keep the same vibration that you had before, the doing, the hustling, the driving forward, the trying to climb that corporate ladder faster than than ever before, if you keep that energy template, you're going to burn yourself out. That's actually what happened to me. I, I got very, very sick a couple of years ago, and it was a burnout plus an Epstein-Barr viral infection. And it was literally the the universe telling me, girl, you have got to learn how to do things in a new way. Otherwise, you won't stay on the planet very long. And so... It's really interesting because what's happening is this play of at the same time that the energy is moving faster, we don't have to be in the hustle. It's almost like you relax, you learn how to tap into your feminine energy, and you learn to let yourself float down this raging river, <laughs> white water rafting. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what I've been learning in these last couple of years because I'm still healing from all of these things that have happened to me physically because I was trying to serve the planet. I was trying to coach. I was trying to teach. I was trying to help people as much as possible, but I was doing it from an old paradigm, that American driven kind of energy that I, that I had in me, right? I'm American. I was born in the U S I carry those templates. And so I, you know, the universe had to show me through a virus and through a burnout that that's not the way that we are co-creating moving forward. Two near-death experiences, two NDEs, and the third accident that broke all the bones in front of my heart, behind my heart, and above my heart to get me back, if we think of a skiing analogy, in the flow line. With you, I just want to talk science. So there's a sine curve. That's that flow that's super easy. But when we push it, the overlap, we start to blast out of that sine curve. We get in out of synchrony. We get into a state of discordance and things break. And for you, that was the health drawing you inward quite literally under the covers. For me, it was, okay, we're going to give you a more maybe young way of going. <laughs> we're just going to break you a few times until you go, I surrender. And I see this 2024 as a beautiful opportunity not to fight the powers that be, not to fight the forces that be, because we're just projectors, but to find that internal flow line, to find that balanced state, to lean into the shadows with everything we've got, clean that up and exist there. It doesn't mean you're not doing. It doesn't mean you're not playing. It doesn't mean you're not helping, living, thriving, joyous, whatever that means. But in synchrony now, rather than the disharmony we've been in. Yeah. For sure. And this is a skill that's that's hard for a lot of us because this is a it's a it's a sort of a recalibration of energy, specifically the play of the masculine and the feminine energy. So we're learning to, you know, um, rebalance that masculine. Uh, we're learning to bring that, ma that masculine energy more into a harmonious state, but also to empower our feminine energy, to connect with our feminine energy, to understand what that feminine energy even is and be able to co-create from that place. And, and co-creating from a place of, of feminine is different from co-creating from a place of masculine. Uh, the feminine is all about going with the flow, magnetizing things to you instead of constantly having to drive forward and get what you want. It's a totally, totally different vibration, right? And, and it, but it makes sense that change 
from that masculine, overly masculine, dominant, wounded masculine energy to a more feminine energy precisely because everything is changing so quickly already. The energies are already so intense that you would literally completely drain your physical avatar if we kept living life the old way. So we're, we're having to learn how to adapt very quickly to new energy templates on the planet, for sure. I call it the, uh, the drunk tree moment, which is if we keep going at this pace, like the alcoholic who will only quit if their partner leaves them, maybe, or they wrap themselves around a tree, trying to keep up with this pace of this outer world, which we can call it the big bad matrix, this, that, we can call it whatever we want. It's the old paradigm, love them up. The old paradigm's going away, love them up with everything you have, love everything and everyone up. But it's this last gas of faster and faster, quicker and quicker, until we say, hey, I don't need to hit the tree, no mas, I give. Yeah. I'm gonna be yeah. here. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a, this is sometimes a hard balance because at the same time, especially for those of us that are sensitive, we can feel in our energy systems that everything is quickening. So if everything is quickening, your subconscious mind, those old systems, that old template wants to say, move faster. Oh my God, everything's going faster. Move faster, move faster. And it sometimes takes really for you to tap into your intuition to understand that, okay, the vibration of everything is moving faster, but my human avatar can take advantage of that huge current, and my human avatar doesn't have to drive so fast, doesn't have to push so much. And so that's sometimes a hard balance to learn, right? Well, now you're talking about alchemy. I know you're known for alchemy of the heart. So I'll go just a tiny bit into my childhood. Then I want to go back. I want to go way on back with you. And I want to go to 2020, uh, 2013. Then I want to go to 2021 and 2023 again um, as you were getting upgrades, I will say. Um, when I grew up, my home by my friends was known as the crazy house. <laughs> no one would want to come over to the crazy house. Uh, my parents, I love them so, so dearly, were at war. The whole time I was growing up, either war against each other or um, if they could find a moment to um, have a truce, it was war against me. And when I went out to college, my poor sister, it was war against my sister. Now, I love them very dearly. They've toned down a little bit and they're much more loving now. But when I go to visit them and they're just like we had all these tech challenges before the show, which is why we had these inside jokes as we're starting. What I do is I alchemize the craziness and ground in. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. It's not an act. I am going to balance their craziness with centeredness. And I believe that's what we're being challenged to do right now. The more you see it swirling around out here, the more you get to be the eye at the center of the storm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a really, really um, difficult balance sometimes because the energies are so incredibly intense. And on the one hand, you want to make sure that you are not bypassing your work, you know, and I see that in a lot of spiritual communities right now, too. As the world gets more intense, as things get more chaotic, there is a lot of suffering out there. And there are some some spiritual communities that completely want to bypass that. So it's like, you know, hey, just 
let the world fall apart and I'm going to stay over here in my island or in my whatever it is, you know? And I don't believe that that's the path either. The path really is the path of, of merging, of balancing and of being able to be in this place right now when there, where there's so much chaos and there's a lot of polarization happening and be able to do that and open your heart more, even in the presence of all of this suffering. That is, that is a, a hard skill sometimes, but it's such an important skill, such an important skill. And, and I have to practice that every day, you know, and I'm sure you do too. Anybody who is constantly in front of a camera every day, anyone who's public facing knows exactly on their skin, what's going on outside in the world. You know, you, you, you can't really even post a, a, a social media post anymore without the intense polarization coming in, you know, someone criticizing you, someone attacking you, someone saying this about you, someone saying that. And so I feel that every day. I really do feel that every day, the intense polarization, how right now it's very difficult to have, you know, just, just intelligent discourse going on is, is kind of gone out the window. There's a lot of attack mode. There's you versus me, black versus white. There's always this intense polarization where if you're not pro something, you're anti something. We've lost the middle ground. We've lost the ability temporarily to understand someone else's position, to be able to kind of dip your your fingers in every in every area where you can understand different perspectives. That's that's the work of reconciliation, you know, it's reconciliation. And I, I, I had an exchange with someone on social media not too long ago where the person said to me, you know, I thought you were a spiritual warrior. Where has the spiritual warrior gone? And I answered back. I said, I'm not a spiritual warrior that the area of the era of warriors is finished. It's it's warriors. Warring is precisely how we got Thank here in you. the first place. I'm a spiritual reconciliator. And that's a totally different ball game because it means that I have to do the work on my heart to be able to open up so that I can listen to this person and I can understand their perspective and where they're coming from. And I, and I listen to that person and where they're coming from and what their perspective is. Hi, Mark Barton. It's Sandy Hook Promise here. When the gunman shot his way into Sandy Hook Elementary School, on December 14th, 2012, he loaded his AR-15 with 30 round magazines so he could continue firing without having to ch- And then I reconcile both of them. And, and the world needs a lot more spiritual reconciliators, not warriors, you know. And, and so it's hard to maintain that balanced, grounded, even keel energy in this polarization. It's hard, but that's what we're here to do, right? Our hearts are fully developed. They are mature enough for us that have incarnated right now. We came perfectly prepared to do this work. It's just a question of when the energy is really this intense, it's a question of, hey, I'm going to put my phone down instead of being impulsive and answering this comment or whatever. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to hug more trees. I'm going to just really, really take a step back before engaging in the 3D matrix. I'm going to take a step back because if I don't take a step back, I'm just going to be adding more fire to an already inflamed situation on the planet. And, and you know, I think the call for spiritual people is not to do that, but it's hard. Thank you. And, and the audience that you and I are speaking to, um, 
I call it, you know, we can call it uh, energetically uh, sensitive. We can call it empaths. I I call it mystics or mystics in latency, meaning you have all of these skills inside of you to live at that higher level. We just have to get past the overload that's deliberately, in a sense, drowning us and keeping us from recognizing our super skills. So on that note, and and I want to dive back. I want to give a lot of how-to today for our our spiritual um reconciliators before we do that can we take you back in time can you walk us forward it can be a fairly expeditious walk through the timeline because you have had several nodes in your timeline punctuation marks punctuation of elevated growth of elevated emotion of elevated overwhelm that's brought you beautifully to where you are today yeah yeah so um, my journey, uh, spiritually, my journey beca- began when I was a child, really. I've always been very spiritually sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a long line of women who are spiritual intuitives. Um, my grandmother was kind of the, you know, considered the village witch. <laughs> and so no, I you don't have, from- I, I'll pause you. I, I'm so glad yeah. you said that because you don't come from, I'm spiritual, soft, you come from more, uh, I'm not sure, Queen Yan, is that the name? I'm, I'm, you've got a force to, you are a force to reckon with, Christina. And I know that's come through in your timeline. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But but it, it didn't come through for a long time. You know, I, I was very spiritually sensitive as a child, but I had a lot of visitations. I had a lot of trauma in my life. I had a lot going on as a child. And so a lot of things that scared me, I was very tortured by shadow entities and different things when I was a child. And so when I grew up, I really wanted to close that door very quickly. And I kind of dedicated, I went the science route. I dedicated my life really to, to, you know, going to college, getting all these degrees, going the science route. I'm a trained physical therapist, you know, my doctorate degree, I have a, a my specialization that, that I focused on was neuropediatrics. And so I went that science route and I just tried to close the door to all these things. And I tried to live a normal life. <laughs> and then in, in 2013, all of that fell apart. You know, like your soul always finds a, a time when the soul says, okay, enough of this. <laughs> I've had enough of this. Now it's time for you to wake up to your, to your path, to your next stage. And and that's what happened to me in 2013 with the sudden breakup of my marriage. And that was that was my first major activation. And I knew I knew I wasn't going to go back. I knew I wasn't going to go back to clinical work. I, I just knew that something major had happened in my life. And I actually started with the, the activation caused a lot of physical symptoms. And I suffered with a lot of physical symptoms and still do today when I have major upgrades. My physical avatar struggles to to kind of get there. But it's happened multiple times, 2013, then 2014, I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, another upgrade. And so I, I very much walk this path of, of, of the shaman, I guess. You know, I have a lot of shamanic energy. I have a lot of stellar energy, but a lot of shamanic energy also. And so I just, you know, I just keep going no matter how many upgrades I have. I, I keep going and I, I keep working with my body to adjust to those upgrades for sure. I think this is important that we that we we break out that term because it is it is so appropriate apropos of a term because we can label these things as uh, forgive me going down <laughs> in our lives and and I imagine when you had that Kundalini awakening it wasn't <laughs> oh my god it's going down 
or as as I like to say after MD number one, integration is a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get this world. I don't get this body. I don't get any of this. Yeah. Um, what is an upgrade? Because I know everybody watching this right now either has just gone through one and is going, what in the world? Or is in one? Or forgive me, everybody. It's okay. I promise you it's okay. On the cusp of one in 2024. So to me, an upgrade is is literally your physical avatar having to purge or let go of older energy that no longer serves you. And that could be older energy in terms of, you know, older habits, uh, ancestral energy, family, generational trauma, stuff that you have carried from past lives, from this life, from family, from whatever, from established beliefs that you have. All of these things, all of these things that make up who you were, they start to fall, literally start to fall. They start to be deconstructed. And and in nature, this creates a vacuum. And in nature, vacuums are always filled. So you're, you have around 40, 40 trillion sentient cells in your body. They are, they are sentient. So we think of our body as, you know, science has this mechanistic kind of view of the body, that the body is a machine. This has existed, this thought uh, process has existed in science for a really long time. Your body's not a machine. There's nothing going on robotically about your body. Your body is a community of 40 trillion sentient cells. And each one of them talks to each other. They talk to you. You talk back to them. So it's just this beautiful community. When you upgrade, you have to remember that those 40 trillion cells have to vomit out or let go of everything that no longer serves, of what's old, of what's no longer pertinent for you moving forward. And we find this in every hero's journey. You know, Joseph Campbell talked about this a lot. For you to move into a different level of your life, you have to let go. So there's this metaphor of letting go of baggage, of dropping old things, of, you know, you see this metaphor everywhere in all of our folkloric history, our stories, all of this, you know, it's, it's a repetitive theme of let drop your baggage, let go of that old stuff. And that literally is happening in your body. Let's talk about some of the signs of a spiritual awakening. And and, and I'm going to mention a few that I've had, not to mention everybody running from you at the other direction. And my then fiance, all of a sudden, ghost gone, disappeared. But um, first time um, was my eyes changed color. Mm. And then the second profound thing is, (laughs) Christine, I went through puberty. Um, I was on the show two or three years into the show. People can go back and watch my old shows. When I spoke up here. (laughs) (laughs) And then for a while I was stuck in between octaves. And so doing guided meditations was really hard. (laughs) And then it finally (laughs) dropped down here. It all changes. Yeah. Yeah. It literally changes, and for the and for some people, what may actually be happening to them is is a, a walk-in phenomenon. I don't know if you've talked about walk-ins on on your show. We haven't in the show, so I, I know what this is. But please enlighten us. Yeah, so so that's happening a lot on the planet right now too. And and uh, a walk-in is a, a double mission that your physical avatar has with more than one soul consciousness. So. Um, a lot of times we think that the physical avatar is only prepared for one soul. And, you know, this is my physical avatar and Christina's soul is incarnated here. And that's going to be me throughout my life. 
But for some people, um, there's actually more than one soul that has a contract with this physical avatar. And so at a certain point in your life, your older soul, the first one that came into the physical avatar can exit and a new soul comes in. And this is frequently where people say that like, oh my God, my physical features changed. My entire personality changed. I literally forgot everything about my childhood. This is, this is very frequent when people are walk-ins. They forget their childhood. They forget everything in the past. And they're thinking, what the hell happened to me? Like what, what happened to me? Their likes changed, their dislikes changed. You know, like the movies that they like to watch just really, it, it's almost like a new person has stepped in. And this is very common in people who have walk-in contracts um, with more than one soul. What does a walk-in contract have to do with an awakening? And does one sometimes precipitate the other? So not all spiritual awakenings are caused by walk-ins. But um, a lot of times people have these walk-in contracts because these are two souls wanting to experience a specific time of a t- type of a timeline, but not really needing to experience the other. So uh, an example, um, a soul may want to come in and they just m- may want to experience the childhood, teenage and early adult years because that's fun to the soul. And they're like, oh yeah, I really want to do that again. But then another soul may be like, I don't really want to go through puberty again. Like I've done that a thousand times. I'm totally okay. I'm okay to step into a body that's fully mature. And start my path from there. And so this is this is quite common. But then there's also the aspect of you having a spiritual awakening going through a really rapid ascension process where everything is changing, where your body, your cells are letting go of old energy and new energy is coming in. And sometimes these two things can mimic each other. So sometimes people think, oh, my God, I have to be a walk in for sure because everything has changed. That's not necessarily true. So these these two phenomena can mimic each other sometimes, but thank you. But they're they're similar sometimes, right? What are some of the physical physical avatar characteristics? Let's say you're going through an awakening process, and it's interesting because if I look at your timeline, what little I understand, but but I'm I'm grasping more at this level up here. The first one was six or seven years, and it was four years in the cave. I spent about three years in the cave, so to speak. It was really slow. And then the next one was kind of faster. And then all of a sudden, and it's, these upgrades are coming faster and faster and faster. And quickening. And I think also, you know, you, you have to remember that your soul prepares a lifetime really well. Like nothing is by chance, right? And so your, your spiritual awakening and your ascension process is also going to go depending on your energy, your natural energy, your astrology, the, the way that you are prepared, the, the timing that you were born. So for me, doing things and changing quickly is in my nature. I'm a double Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius, Sagittarius, <laughs> Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius ascendant. And so I have a lot of fire energy. So things have never really happened slowly for me, you know, like, you know, when things happen, they happen. My marriage fell apart. It didn't fall apart in a year. It fell apart like today. (laughs) It's just, you know, like one minute I was married and one minute I wasn't, you know, Uh, one minute I was in a relationship. The next minute, you know, someone literally ghosted me, you know, like these things happen to me. The major life changes that have happened in my life have happened very, very quickly. And it's because my energy is an energy that's prepared for that kind of speed. For other people, if they went through their spiritual awakening the way that I went through mine, they they would literally have a meltdown. 
And so the soul knows how to take you through an awakening down here while you're in a physical avatar. Your soul knows what it's doing, and it will work with your nature, with your nature in this lifetime, to make things easier, even though sometimes we think that, that, that spiritual awakening is really difficult. It can have its challenges, but always remember that your soul is doing everything that it can to make the awakening as painless as possible for, for your physical avatar. If what happened to your to your body during this time, to your weight during this time, to everything? And I believe hold hold that thought for one second. We may have a a, a guest host <laughs> coming on the show. Hi. This is Hannah Bear. Do you want to say hi, Hannah Bear? Hi, Hannah. No? We're just gonna take her take her in. <laughs> so this is the reason behind everything we do. You are oh. okay. You headed down. Do you want to? Do you want to make one smile? Attempt at a smile. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and then, <laughs> See you. Uh, so, what were you asking me? The physical symptoms. Physical symptoms of an awakening and what you experienced. So for me, um, I had a ton of physical symptoms, and it had a lot to do with uh, trauma. So. The the more the accumulated trauma you have in your body from this lifetime, from lifetime before, um, the harder your awakening can be because you're you're having to process all of that trauma. You're having to work through it. You're having to see it. You're having to actually remember it, you know, because for a lot of us, um, you know, our trauma was repressed or even repressed in our subconscious mind where we don't even remember certain things. So it's been compartmentalized and fragmented. And so the more trauma that you have in your past, the harder your spiritual awakening can be also. So I had a lot of physical symptoms. And then when I had my, I had a lot of initial physical symptoms in 2013 when my spiritual awakening kind of kicked off um, rapid, rapid weight loss, uh, a lot of just, just losing weight really, really quickly. Um, some people were saying, you know, like you need to go to the doctor, like you're losing weight too quickly. But I, at that point, I knew and I could feel that what was happening to me, it wasn't a disease, like it was something natural that was happening. And and now I always tell people, you know, like you're going through a spiritual awakening. If you are having physical symptoms, there's nothing wrong with going to see a doctor. Please go see a doctor and rule out anything else. Uh, don't just assume it's a spiritual awakening and then it could be something else. So I always caution people. For Find your every year tax partner with an average of 10 years experience. For me, I knew intuitively that it was part of the upgrade. It was part of the spiritual awakening. But my entire physique changed. I lost a lot of weight. My facial feature changed. I mean, even if you just look at, at my older videos uh, of yeah. mine, you'll see that you know my physical avatar changed um, as the years progressed. And it wasn't just having to do with you maturing and, or, and aging. It was just a completely different morphology. Um, and then in 2014, when I had a Kundalini awakening, that was probably some of the most severe physical symptoms. There were times there where when I thought, A, I was going insane, or B, there was something seriously wrong with my body because it was just such extremes. Like from one moment I could run up a mountain, I had so much energy, the next moment I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs uh, because I was completely exhausted. I had never felt anything like that before. I, I was I was just, I was incinerating from the inside out. I had never felt that before. Like I, I, I joke with, with some of my people when I talk about, 
you know, going through a Kundalini awakening, but there are times when I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would have to go to my kitchen and open the refrigerator. And the only time that the body temperature would come down was if I was standing in front of a damn refrigerator. Like that's how much Ace I was in a freezer. <laughs> you you did the same thing. Face in a freezer. Yes. <laughs> like it literally incinerating. I I was oh my god, just so many symptoms. I had a lot of psychological symptoms also. So when I had my Kundalini awakening, I had always always been spiritually sensitive. But when I had my Kundalini awakening, it's like this whole door opened up, third eye, all of this crown chakra, everything. And so I started to go into spontaneous past life regressions and I would be washing dishes and I could remember I'd have a memory from a past life come in and I would have to put my dishes down because it was so intense. It was like I was living it in that moment. I had to put the dishes down and go sit down. I made a I made a little meditation corner for me in my house and I literally had to sit down in my meditation mat like about a thousand times a day at the time. That's how jarring it was. And I remember thinking, you know, okay, uh, you know, again, I have this clinical mind. So I, I went through a spiritual awakening through the mind of a clinician, which is an interesting perspective to have when you're having a spiritual awakening. And uh, I remember thinking, okay. You might be schizophrenic. It's very rare for you to be diagnosed with schizophrenia later on in life, but this may be happening because you are positively losing your mind. And I remember talking to myself and just thinking, holy moly, you know, but then I would breathe and things would calm down. And and so it was this ebb and flow of pains and aches and all kinds of, of different physical symptoms that would kind of ebb and flow. And then I feel better and worse. And it still happens today. You know, I, I tell people my upgrades, my ascension processes, they're much easier than they were when I was having that main spiritual awakening. The first six years of my spiritual awakening were very difficult from physical symptoms to psychological symptoms to all of these different things. But I still go through upgrades. Everybody does. We're just going to continue to ascend. It's never going to stop. But it just gets easier because I'm also more mature. So I know when in a Ascension process is here. I know when it's when I'm receiving an upgrade and I just know to chill. I know to use my tools that I've been using for years. And so the upgrades are now easier, right? Because you're also moving from a, your, your cells are also more, uh, the energy is more ascended. So they don't have as much crap to let go of anymore. So it's easier, you know, whereas before I was carrying like a ton of bricks, that's harder to let go. Versus now it's just like, oh, you know, like it's a pound or two. All right, I'll just let it go. And then I move on. So the the the, the changes in energy are easier now. But the, the physical symptoms, I don't think they ever really go away. A couple key thoughts. And, and you've got me first off thinking of my sister who does the, the music for the end of the show, who her career has taken off. She's doing music for A&R and Columbia and hip hop artists. And she's got her own own music on Amazon TV shows and all of these things that's taken place after she got many years the symptoms of lupus mm. and i'm going isn't that interesting that's a connection that i never made yeah. before why not she got amazing a massive upgrade so that she could shift and get on this new path and now her life it's not about the doings out there but her life is in alignment and she's on fire and this happens to a lot of people. A lot of people are temporarily go through actual disease. I was never diagnosed with anything. I didn't have an actual physical disease in the first six years 
uh, of that awakening, even though it felt like it. But for a lot of people, when they go through an awakening, they actually are diagnosed with conditions, uh, whether it's autoimmune conditions, all kinds of different things can happen. And so they go through that process of, of healing that, of learning to work with the body, of not fighting the body. I always tell people, if you are diagnosed with anything in your body, do not fight, do not fight, do not fight. You have, you have to unplug from this, you know, the fight against cancer, the fight against Alzheimer's, the fight against, there's always a fight. There's just yeah. our, our, well, that's an old way of being. Oh, it's just such an old way of being. No, you you don't have to fight cancer. You don't have because literally you are fighting your body, and that's not the way to health. That's not Thank the way you. to healing. And so when I was diagnosed with with Epstein Barr, it was it was I have never been that sick in my entire life. I've always been very very healthy, and so <laughs> Epstein Barr just completely ravaged me. I was so sick. I was really really sick, and I remember going to I did a plant medicine ceremony. And the plant told me, you know, like, you are really sick. If you do not stop and treat yourself, you're not going to be here very long. So I had a huge wake up call in a plant medicine ceremony. And I remember leaving that ceremony and I really kind of embodied the energy of the shamans. Shamans look at disease as a great master teacher. And so I really embodied that energy. And it was really interesting because I would talk to the virus and I would say, you know, like, I understand why you're here. Um, I understand, you know, why you kind of sparked up in my body. I was going, going, doing, doing, driven, 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 driven. I wasn't going to stop. So what would it take for me to stop? Oh, it would take a virus that literally makes you feel so tired. You can't get out of bed. How's that for making you stop, Christina? And so I started to talk to the virus and I started to say, you know, thank you for being here. Um, you know, thank you for your assistance. Thank you for all of the lessons that you have brought me. I no longer need you to, you know, overtake my system in order for me to understand the message. And so the moment that I started to work with the virus, the moment that I started to work with my body, the moment that I started to listen, the moment that I started to communicate with a lot of love, everything changed. And, you know, I'm not completely healed. The virus is still around. Um, and it, it's interesting because it'll, symptoms will pop up when, when I start to go back possibly to the, to the little old American template of the hustler driven, you know, yes. person, then suddenly I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm feeling symptoms. Oh, why? Oh, because the last week I've been working like a maniac. Oh, I forgot about chilling a little bit more. <laughs> I will bring it to so it's, it's, you know, it's, this is a totally different way of looking at disease is really understanding that any kind of disharmony that happens in your body may be assisting you, may be teaching you a totally, totally different way of looking at disease, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it gets to uh, so many beautiful points here. Uh, and then don't worry, everybody, I want to talk about, about opening that third eye before we wrap things up at the end here. But but there's a mantra um, that I, I uh, came up with after my first NDE, didn't embody until my second NDE. Uh, and then the cracking of all the bones around the heart to open my heart way open. But now if those symptoms come up, even if the internet, uh, shall we say, goes a little bit squidgy on us, uh, <laughs> I ask, or I say, first off, I am listening, universe. I am listening, and I promise I am listening. 
may I have my upgrades or my lessons or my downloads. Kind, gentle, easy, good. Kind, gentle, easy. We don't need a two by four. We don't need to get sick. I will listen. And I believe that's where you're at now so that um, things are not as, because you are very fiery, but they don't have to come as fiery to you anymore because you've made that agreement. Yeah, yeah. And and it was really, it, I think it was a huge shift and, and this is an important shift for a lot of us that are here to serve the planet. You know, a lot of light workers that are here to help in this transition of humanity, we we are encoded with a mission, with a a task that we're we, we came down here for a reason, and that reason is encoded inside of us. But one thing that a lot of us have to remember, those of us that resonate with the idea of, of this lifetime being a lifetime of service to others and assisting others, we have to remember that. This is also a lifetime of joy and ease and abundance and and just wonder and happiness. And so you don't need to be of service in a in a way that sacrifices yourself. That is so so important. You can be of service without sacrificing yourself. And and th- these two things I think this is this wasn't possible in past lives because if you think about light workers that were here in past lives, I mean, we're talking about you know women that were burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're talking about, I mean, we have had lifetimes. Light workers have had uh, you know paradigm shifters have had very very horrible lifetimes down here before. And so you know, just think about an avatar like a Jesus, for example. You know, like really difficult lifetimes that didn't end very well, you know? And so a lot of us carry this remembrance forward that, oh, here I am again doing this whole service thing. Oh man, this is going to be a lifetime again. And that is not true. It's not true. But that's taken me a long time. I remember, you know, if you ask my mom, one of the first memories that she has of me was that I literally came out of her womb in a bad mood. (laughs) So I was like this little baby and people would, my mom would take me to the grocery store and people would be like, hi, you know, they talk, you know, talking to a baby. And I'd be like, who are you talking to? Look the other way. (laughs) And that was literally how I came in. So, so then before we go to the the third eye pineal gland, uh, this beautiful fun stuff, um, it's interesting because, um, you talk about your body in, in I think, is it second person, third person, whichever person you talk about it as an avatar. I talk about it as, as, as a rental meat suit. I like yours better. <laughs> I may upgrade my terminology. You may have copywritten it. I get it. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll be sure to put that in there, trademark. Um, but it is a rental meat suit that, that I, I, I love very, very dearly. But the rental meat suit is running patterns that are not mine, that certainly may be culture, may be society, may be the big bad whatever that's, that's, that's trying to keep us suppressed as we're waking up right now, left and right. Or it could be from our elders, from our ancestors, from our tribe. And you call this a template. And so you were running a template from the minute you popped out through this tunnel. You're like, here's Christina, like here's Johnny. Let me go to my template. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, like, it seemed like a great idea to come down here. And then once I came out of my mom's womb, I'm like, God damn it, I'm back here again. <laughs> and, and, and I think I had something, not the grumpy part, but but I think in, in the womb, because I know my birth story, and then they had to, you know, take tongs and deform my head to pull me out. I'm going, no, <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and but yeah, those, those templates, sure, they, they, you know, I wanted to leave a note here of something you were saying that I think it's important for people to also shift a little bit. And it, it's the idea that it's the idea that this stuff isn't yours, but it is. It really is. You know, societal templates are ours. We contributed to them, whether in this lifetime or past lifetimes. You know, um, the patterns, the trauma that exists in our body, they can be coming from stuff that happened in past lives and so we really are the co-creator of the 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 memories and the experiences that this physical avatar contains and so a part of the healing process is taking responsibility for that for the things that have happened to me i take responsibility this has happened to me this is mine i'm going to help in the transition and this is an easier way of doing the work because if we continue to say this isn't mine we're we're in a rejection kind of of template. I'm not going to look here. That's not mine. And so what I always tell people is it's all, all ours. You know, it is all. You're saying ours. own it. Yes. Yeah. Own it. You know, like wow, I have all these beliefs inside of me. Okay, maybe these templates, as I I like to call them, maybe these templates have come from my family. Maybe they've come from society. Maybe they've come from past lives. It doesn't matter. But they are literally embedded in my physical avatar therefore i take responsibility for them and i take responsibility for the discernment for the choice point that i have in keeping that template or releasing it and moving into a new one you know and 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 we are so much in that place right now we are in a place of discernment of choice and this is why i don't resonate a lot with the you know with talking about Oh, you know, these big, bad, mean wolves out there, you know, like the world order or the whatever or the cabal or I don't resonate with any of that because that to me is an externalization. It's me washing my hands of the responsibility that I have in the co-creation of everything that happens down here on Earth. And so and, and, and while I'm pointing out there, I am not healing in here the things that need to be healed in order for me to contribute to a brighter future. I'm just literally pushing the ball down the road, you know? Thank you. So people are waking up and he, oh my God, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> it's, it's disorienting. It doesn't feel good. Glimpses of amazing greatness. And then we have horrific glimpses at the same time. What do we do? And then we see the world at large, which is a reflection of what's going on in the inside. And and in a holographic universe, to me, I would send as much love out, which is really sending as much love in as you can, which helps heal the heart and cracks the heart wide open. But as you're going through this, well, lack of another term, how do we get through it? Or how do we be with it? You know, I really do think that this is an age of the heart. We are returning to an age of the heart. We're moving from 
the an age of just reason there's been you know enlightenment brought many beautiful things but enlightenment also brought a fragmentation uh of energy and it was a fragmentation of energy towards the left hemisphere of the brain rational thinking and all of that and we lost the right side of the brain the intuitive thinking and so all of this kind of has been lost and we're returning we're returning to an age if you look back at every shamanic culture in the world they talk about heart intelligence in one way or another they talk about the heart as the primary center for creating your life for feeling the world for envisioning the world and so a lot of times you know people ask me oh you know like how do i develop my psychic abilities how do i do this everybody's still up here and meanwhile i think that really this is a time of the heart because if your heart is closed it doesn't matter how developed your third eye is you're only going to be seeing distortions if your heart is not open and fully functioning this third eye will be totally malfunctioning and you're going to be stuck in paranoia illusions uh lies uh and you're just going to be stuck in there because you're not seeing with the clarity of the heart oh okay so it's a double dovetail i want to understand how we see with the clarity of the heart and i couldn't agree more and <laughs> at the same time what's well, it's really we've got to open like at least three things up in a sense at the same time not to mention we really don't want to keep that uh, throat chakra closed how do we begin to open this up so that in the shamanic, the word for, for shaman, in fact, we had on Snow Raven a few weeks ago, an uh, indigenous shaman uh, from the Sasha tribe. She is from uh, the northernmost uh, people on the planet. And um, that's where the term in northern Siberia, before it was called Siberia, it was, it's, it was indigenous land before Russia you know, discovered it, but that in quotes. But that's where the term shaman or clear seer came from. That's where the oldest shamanic culture comes from, right? Siberia is the old, the oldest known shamanic cultures in the planet. Keynote, she wrote a, a published paper, it might be in Psychology Today, um, about people who came down with schizophrenia, like you're talking about, um, uh, epileptic seizures, uh, people even on the autistic spectrum, that it, there's no such thing in their villages. The shaman would come in and work with these apparently errant energies, which were not errant and were not broken at all. They were the gifts working themselves through that in the West we shut down hard. But there the shaman recognizes the upgrades, that's what we're talking about here today, for what they are true, tremendous gifts and help them work through it until their kundalini rises until they open their third eye, until they see clearly, until, until, until. And and I think that that you know the the order to answer your question about you know like how do we develop, how do we open all this up? To me, the 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 safest way and the best way is from the bottom up, from the bottom up, from the bottom up, from the bottom up. And, you know, I think that we have to, in spirituality circles, we have got to, we've got to let go of everything. The past is so beautiful. There's a lot of knowledge and, and I even, you know, I, I dip into the shamanic well. It's the oldest spiritual tradition in the world. And I love it. Some, it's a tradition that I identify with, but we have to look at the past, grab the things that we resonate with and leave the rest. And, and a big template that, that still exists in spirituality today, and it's part of that, the excessive unbalanced masculine energy that's happened on the planet, 
is that everything has been polarized up. So spirituality is a monk meditating in a cave or or a monk, you know, always up here. Everything is always up here, always up here, always up here. And to me, that's why a lot of these distortions have happened where you have gurus that then sexually molest their followers or that are completely unethical. This is happening because these people have their upper chakras all well-developed, but they haven't taken the time to work on the lower chakras. And so distortions will happen up the ladder. Your energy system develops from the bottom up. And so a lot of times you have to start there. Thank you. I'd add to that real briefly because I, I watched my wife uh, morph before my eyes in an ayahuasca ceremony with a shaman. And all of a sudden I'm seeing lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after until she landed on an indigenous uh, auntie, shall we say, probably from the Peruvian rainforest or Amazon or someplace. And she goes, how many times? And she was saying, saying this to herself. How many times are you going to have to go through this? which is the male shamanic way of needing to be broken down and destroyed in order to be rebuilt from the ashes. How many times are you going to need to go through this before you get it? There's a different way. That's what you're talking about. Rooting in, taking what works, but not saying we have to destroy ourselves. We have to tear ourselves apart. We have to any of this self, put ourselves into an inferno. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and not even, not just that also that's, but also the Eastern traditions, too, of mindfulness, 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 mindfulness. Here we are in the mind, in the mind, in the mind, in the mind, you know, in the mind and in the mind and in the mind that, you know, this is kind of a more of a patriarchal way of, of spiritual development. And that's been very blessed. But there's also a beautiful, different way of developing and, and for me and, you know, with all the clients that I work with, it is so absolutely crucial for them to start work, working on the bottom chakras and then come up because your chakras develop in a staircase. Each rung of the ladder happens after another one. So you take a step and then another one develops. So if you want to develop your third eye, if a person asks me, I want to develop my third eye, I want to develop my psychic abilities, I always ask them, how is your first, second and third chakra? <laughs> I always, always, always inspect the first, second, and third chakras because those are the roots of your system. And if you are not rooted, that's where the schizophrenia has happened. That's where the, the, the insanity happens because you're too polarized up here and your roots are not strong. If you were a tree, you'd fall over. When I had my first NDE uh, and I almost lost my leg, I was lucky to keep my life uh, Lucky to keep my life, yes. Lucky not to lose my leg, yes. And I couldn't get healed. I ended up stripping off my shoes, going barefoot, first walking, then running. My wife came along. We, we wrote the bestseller, Barefoot Running. And, and I thought about writing a book called In God's Shoes. I never did it, but, but it was an interesting idea that came to me because there was that rooting of connecting to the earth, either quite literally with the feet or sitting there and growing those roots through through your spine, through through right down into the earth. So maybe you can take us from here, from these lower chakras. In fact, this is a great place to begin. You said, have people check in with their lower chakras, which is actually a big challenge for people because people, I, I did this real cold water swim. I won't get into all the good stuff, the fun stuff that I do, but I did a real fun cold water swim yesterday. And afterwards, I wasn't numb, but I wasn't fully there. It was so cold. I wasn't fully there in my body. 
And I get the feeling that's where a lot of people are today is we're moving, but we're not fully embodied in the avatar. And that's why, you know, that that's why the tradition, the Eastern tradition that, that's so valued of the the monk going to a cave to meditate. And that's that's looked at as, like, oh, my God, with so much reverence. Look at that monk. He's just sitting there meditating for 10 hours straight in the cave. How can he do it? And a lot of times people don't realize that maybe that monk is going to a cave because he's trying to escape his memories. He's trying to escape his trauma. He's trying to bypass because he can't deal. He doesn't know. He doesn't have the coping mechanism. So he's going off and he's meditating. And everybody is considering that a higher path. Meanwhile, the path that I believe is now coming into play is a more feminine path. And it's the path of going down, 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 down into your fears, down into your trauma, down into all of the dark little corners that you did not want to know about yourself, that you didn't want to remember, that you didn't want to deal with. This is what the, that work of going down into the pits, you know, like in our in my in my coaching group, I call it the pity pits. It's the pity pits. It's literally the bottom of the barrel for you. You know what is down there? And we take years and years and years trying to escape, not looking at that. And that's why we're, we're polarized up here with these fancy ideas about let me meditate for 10 hours straight or let me do this or let me do that. And a lot of times we're kind of bypassing that 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 work. That's that work is deep. That work is not pretty. It's not pretty. It's you know, it's much prettier to see a motionless monk meditating for 10 hours than it is you rolled up in a ball sobbing on the floor because you just remembered a trauma and you're trying desperately to work through those feelings that are surfacing. That's not as pretty as seeing someone sitting straight in meditation for 10 hours, but that's the work that we're being called to do. And that's actually the best order of operations because otherwise, if you're just polarized up here, you're going to end up doing a lot of crap, you know, and I could give you example of guru after guru that has been caught in this trap of being unethical, uh, of being sexually abusive, you know, like we can go into this conversation because there are many examples of this happening all over the world. And so it's time for us to reverse that work. You know, if you want to develop the upper chakras, develop the lower chakras, the upper chakras will develop all by themselves. You don't need to focus on them. <laughs> I say this to people all the time and it's, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not the answer sometimes that people want to hear because they want to see, they want to have visions, they want to have psychic abilities, <laughs> you know, and, and the other work isn't as pretty, right? Well, if you just have the psychic abilities, uh, so much of the spiritual crowd, forgive me, everyone, I've, I've been there. <laughs> you're completely ungrounded. You're completely disconnected. And that's not why you're here. You're here as a walking, talking living representation of the earth that's who and what you are this lifetime and now for myself full disclosure three four hours a day for a couple years running six month stints one six month stint then off and then another six month stint of me holding space at a meditation center look at me i'm so good i hold space at a, whereas my whole life was called blowing up all around me and i ended up in my wife's childhood bedroom on two twin marriages it was like an eight by ten bedroom going what happened well i wasn't getting real 
And this is a time going into 2024 where we're going to first be forced to pull out our Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass, go into the bosom, go into the belly of ourselves and examine it. Not out of, uh, I need to feel that pain and I need to hurt myself again. But as you're saying, as a scientist, to be able to look at it, to be able to examine it from all angles and maybe even get to that place of, I want to release this, but how can this serve me? Yeah, the way is through. It's one of my favorite mantras. You know, the way is through, not over, not jumping on top of it, not trying to parachute over it, but through, you know, and 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 I think that's where shamanic energy is really, really amazing to have when you're when you're doing this kind of work. You know, shamans are specialists at, at walking through the underworld, what's known as the yes. underworld. And they carry a little torch and they just keep going and going and going. This is really the work. It's just, it's going through. And what, going through what? Well, what am I feeling? Oh, okay, I'm not going to grab my remote control and turn on the TV so that I can escape what I'm feeling. No, it's what am I feeling going through that feeling, letting that feeling process. You're not going to die. Nothing bad is going to happen. You know, you're becoming more spiritually mature as you do and this, breathe. but the way is always through and breathe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are tools, that, there are many tools that you can use to do this work, right? Mm-hmm. But it, the way is through. And then as that work is being done, you just, the, 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 the chakras above start to open up, you know, like, like rose petals, you know, mm-hmm. they just start to open up and they open up. They always open up based on how the chakras below are grounded. If they are not grounded, if you have not worked on these lower chakras, your upper chakras are gonna be completely unbalanced and this is where people get into the realms of illusions, of being totally disconnected from reality, of you know not even being here and that's when i ask people you know like you are here you came to be here in a physical body in a physical avatar if your soul didn't want you to be here you would be in another realm so so be here you know actually be here and all that that entails right how does someone know then if they are, because you can ask them, they, they're going, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. This is good. I understand this. I understand it is exciting. Um, although we get to watch for, for what I call the spiritual pyrotechnics. Um, and, you know, somebody who goes, I just want to take ayahuasca after ayahuasca after ayahuasca. Okay, we may need to deal with the spiritual pyrotechnics here. Um, yeah. But how do you help them to know, are you actually rooted or not? Well, it's mostly having to do with their ability to and their openness to explore every aspect of themselves. I think that's a that's a very clear indication if a person is grounded or not. So when the or at least when they're starting to feel grounded. So if I ask someone, is there something inside of you that you are unwilling to see or, or unwilling to work through? And if the person says, yeah, like you can work with me on these things, but we're not going into that room. And if a person says, I'm not going into that room or I'm not opening that door, they're not very grounded. They're not rooted because they're running, right? If you think about I'm running, if I'm running away from something, I'm not rooted. I'm not grounded. It's the moment that I stop running 
and I say, there is nothing inside of me that I'm unwilling to see. Or another way of saying this, I am willing to see every single aspect of myself that my soul wishes to show me. I'm willing to open every door inside of me of my inner world. I'm willing to overturn every single stone of my inner world. The moment that you say that, now you're immediately, just by saying that, you're immediately, and, and you can feel that. Can't you feel that in the, in the energy when you say a statement that I am willing to see everything, your roots just go, you know, and, and it's like you grow up. You grow up spiritually. That, that's what it means. You grow up. I also think by turning and facing to the direction you've been running from, forgive me, but you diffuse the bomb. In fact, there may not have even been a bomb there in the first place, but you're feeding it with fuel the more that you go and run from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and it kind of brings me to the story of, of, uh, you know, all these metaphors that we have. Joseph Campbell was amazing at the metaphors, but even in movies, we see these, we see these movies where someone's walking with the torch in the middle of the dark and they're so, they're so frightened because they can't see all of this. And then as soon as you bring the torch up to this, look like a huge demon. And then suddenly you bring the torch up to it and it was just a tiny little demon. It was just a tiny little thing. Yep. It wasn't big at all. And so that's, that's the point of it all, really. Like all the things that we're running away from, all the things that we're supposedly afraid of, all the things that we are unwilling to see, they're just places that, that need love. They are just places that need love. You know? and, and, but, but again, it's not, it's not pretty work, right? It's not glamorous work. And so I understand the temptation of, you know, let me go to my meditation class and let me, you know, we'll talk about my how aware and how mindful I am and look at my mindfulness and look at my mindfulness. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know that, that that, you know, seems a little bit more glamorous than, again, you know, being rolled up in a ball sobbing. <laughs> but I'm the first to admit that I still go under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> I love but it's that. part of the work. It's the good stuff. We're human. It doesn't mean we're human. We're actually divine, energetic beings having an energy experience in human form to help us to grow and evolve and ascend, not to return home, but to rock this, we'll use your term, avatar for all that she, he, they, it, all this beautifulness. That is why you're here till the wheels come off by leaning into it. So. A question I get to ask as you're watching this beautiful, ooh, exciting year of taking place before us in 2024. Are you bullish for our future? Are you excited for what's to come? How do you see this all unfolding before us right now? I'm super, super excited. Um, super excited, but also recognizing, you know, the extreme polarization that's happening, you know, like everything's shaking, right? And so sometimes I wake up and I'm super excited and I can see and I can hold that vision. And then other times I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I am feeling so heavy today, you know? And, and I think that, that that's okay, you know, like that is absolutely okay. It's perfectly okay for you to see the vision of what's being born, but at the same time also feel 
the suffering and the difficulties that are happening on the planet as we move to that vision. So again, I think I think the soft spot, I think that that sweet spot is being able to envision the future and tap into that new timeline, but at the same time doing it with a lot of compassion and also having the fortitude to be able to have compassion for the people that are suffering to help in any way that you can. And so we can do both things, but I'm super, super, super excited. I am super excited, you know, and, and I'm just super excited being here. You know, like <laughs> it wasn't always this way, you know, like it wasn't always this way. I left, the, I almost left this planet a couple of times by my own hand because it was just not easy to be here. And so now I'm just excited to be here, even on the difficult days, you know, it's just, I have this profound recognition that my, my soul is so excited at being here, you know, and, and I'm going to honor that, you know, I'm going to honor that. Thank you. And it, I mean, it's, it's like on a very Picayune level, it's like us cracking up at the internet challenges. We can be going, why, why, why? This is the time we had. We've got this and this and that. And you know, yeah. Or you could just go, <laughs> and that's, that's life. <laughs> yeah. Where can people go, Christina, to find your work, to find your teaching, to find your coaching, to find every beautiful thing that you have to offer? Yeah, so the easiest way, probably the, the best way that people find me initially is to just, uh, you know, look me up on YouTube. Um, that's usually where people start in my work. Yeah. But you can always find my work on Christina Lopes or Christina-Lopes.com. Um, you'll find my website uh, with, you know, the coaching, our community. We have a beautiful community called Heart Alchemy that runs year round. So if you want to go on my website and kind of find out a bit more about what we do, you can you can go that route or you can find me on YouTube very easily. Also, just look it up by name. <laughs> Thank you. Two last questions. One, how do we have, hmm, I'm not sure if the word is total faith and trust, but how do we know that if we unplug from what isn't working, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't feel in alignment, that something that is more in alignment will come our way? Oh my God, how do, how do we know? Oh, that's just a feeling, you know, it really, it really is just a feeling. And it, it brings me back to one of my favorite stories. Have you, have you, do you listen to the, to the Abraham Hicks teachings at all? Uh, not very often. Don't have the chance with the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so Esther Hicks, uh, you know, she tells some beautiful, beautiful stories about her and her husband. And there's a story that I just love that kind of exemplifies how much of a feeling this is. And it, it was, you know, they used to love, he's passed on now, um, but they used to love to go fly fishing and he would go fly fishing. And, and she said that she'd look at him and he would grab his little fishing pole and he would dart across the water and he would just run, run across the water. And she couldn't even, she couldn't understand how he did that. So one day she asked him and she's like, you know, how do you do that? Like, it looks like you're running in front of the water, like, like you're running on top of the water. Aren't you afraid of falling? Like, how do you? And he says, oh, no, I'm not afraid. I just know that there's always a rock for me to put my foot on. And this is such an extraordinary vision because it's like he knows that there's always a rock to put his foot on. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't think that, 
if he just started to slow down and think, oh, my God, am I going to put my foot in a hole or am I going to put my foot on a rock? He would fall. But it's that understanding that there is always a rock for me to put my foot on that is just such an extraordinary lesson on what it feels like to trust the universe. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other and there's always a rock under your foot to hold you up. That's it. And it's not a it's it's not a thinking. This is not a thinking thing. In fact, if your mind gets involved in the process, you're going to fall. You're going to lose it. It's a feeling thing. I know, I feel that there's always a rock for me to put my foot on. And that, and so it is, you know, and so it is. But this takes practice. (laughs) And you're laughing and I'm laughing going, yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a little bit of practice, you know, and, and you fall down and you get up and you fall down and then you say, what? That wasn't supposed to happen. Well, says who? You know, and so you just fall on your face and you get back up and then pretty soon you'll start to get used to going with the flow and going with the flow. And no matter what happens, you know, it's always for your highest good at the end. I I, uh, had I I never got tested, so I may or may not have had COVID this fall. I have no idea. But when I got back on the bike, it was a little bit too soon. I went out for a bike ride and uh, I had stopped at a ranger station, you know, state forest and stopped at a ranger station and then, and then went out riding and I passed the turn for the trail that I wanted to take. And so former pro cyclist, no big deal, hit my brakes and <laughs> I tipped over, no speed. I actually didn't, I wasn't ready to be riding yet. I was dizzy and I tipped over as the ranger comes driving up. And all I could do is tip over on the ground, point to the sky, and laugh. <laughs> I know you've got my number. I know what just took place now. I'm not going to cry about it. <laughs> I'm going to see the levity that I call it the coyote energy, the trickster energy of the universe and get this is all here for my highest good. And, and I'll go home now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like it, when you have that understanding that, that life is happening for you, Um, it really makes things a lot easier. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be smelly roses all the time. No, but it means that you have a different vision when you do encounter the inevitable difficulties of life, right? You have a different vision, um, you know, and, and to me, that's been, that's been absolutely crucial is, and that's actually what got me through the most difficult phases of my spiritual awakening was just this, this knowing inside. It's not a knowing here. It's knowing in my heart, very, very deep in the pity pits, as I call them. <laughs> it's a knowing very, very deep inside of me that there was a higher purpose to this and that life is always, always working for me, even if I don't see it at the time. And so that vision was always really important to me and it got me through a lot of difficult moments. You know? I, I hear it, it sounds young and I don't quite mean it that way, but I hear the growl of a bear, a bear grabbing onto a rope going, I am not letting go of this rope. And you had that growl inside of you. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'd stop growling and I'd just let go of the rope and I'd fall and then I'd fall and I'd figure out that, wow, I was supposed to fall, you know, like, look, I fell into a stream that is taking me to a better place than I thought I was supposed to go, you know? And so 
And so life really is this beautiful combination, this complexity of tenacity of resilience, right? Like being able to walk through all of your challenges, but at the same time surrendering also, right? So I get to wrap things up. But my last question that I know where we're going to go, I was going to say last words of wisdom, but instead of that, what can you tell us to, um, before we depart, about heart resilience and how we take that with us as we leave here today? Heart resilience. Heart resilience is really just about opening your heart no matter what. No matter what. And so many of us are guarded around the heart. We, we guard so much that we actually keep love away in all of its forms. You know, like we, we actively guard against love. And it really takes a lot of courage to be able to open that heart yeah. and lean into life with an open heart right? Lean into life with an open heart. It's, it's, it's such a profound, profound skill to learn. But the, the thought that you can have in your mind as you're doing this is that you're not going to (laughs) die. You are not going to die. Because a lot of times we guard around the heart because we are so afraid of being heartbroken. We are so afraid of potential pain that we actually close off to the potential of loving. And I always say to people, oh my God, when you really think about it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Isn't it better to have an open heart? And then if you do get hurt, who cares? At least you've lived a year or two years or 10 years in pure bliss. And then, all right, you get hurt. So what? Keep your heart open and then move forward, always carrying that love. Isn't that way better than guarding yourself against love for an entire lifetime? That's so depressing to me. That's such a tragedy to me when people walk this life with their hearts closed. And that's how I lived in my life before my spiritual awakening. It's so painful. It causes so much suffering. You suffer so much more if your heart is closed than if you keep it open and let it feel everything that it has to feel, whether that's good, bad, ugly, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what heart resilience is to me. It's that, it's that, that unwavering, Uh, commitment to feeling the world you know and and you know it's it's it really is a commitment it's a choice it's again a discernment a choice point i I used to call that being the open-hearted warrior in fact that's on the back of one of my books and i used to have open-hearted warrior boot camps but i'm not warrioring anymore (laughs) i can't resist any any last words that you wish to share because this has been Beautiful, Christina. You've got to work with life. There's a lot of chaos down here. So that's probably my parting words for your for your viewers is there's a lot of chaos happening down here, but there's a lot of also a lot of beautiful things. And you have to choose where your focus goes. You know, you have to choose where your focus goes because it's it's either going to go to this beautiful vision or it's going to go to the past that's crumbling and the structures that are crumbling. And, you know, like you can hold the observation of all of the structures that are crumbling and you can let them go and, and just just choose to let them go and just embrace all of the beautiful things that are coming and the beautiful things that you are co-creating too, right? So so just keep, you know, keep looking forward. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. So that was beautiful. Thank you so, so much. So for everyone out there, this is Michael Sandler saying, be well, have fun, embrace, lean in, embrace, lean in, cry, hide under the desk, embrace and lean in some more. 
today. And above and beyond all else, shine bright. Wow, wow, wow. Another, see, these are the interviews that I have fun. These are the interviews. All of the interviews are great, but I love it when we go pithy. I love it when we go deep. I love it when we go to the, uh, what would it be, the uh, pity pity? <laughs> I love it when we go to the pity pities. On that note, if you want a daily dose of goodness to bring your energy up out of the pities, <laughs> up, 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 and way up. Simply sign up at dailywoohoo.com to get your daily dose of inspirational, vibrational, attuning goodness. That's dailywoohoo.com. If you want to communicate with the other side of the veil, I'm actually holding a class tonight. It will be past that time, but well, I'll have another one. I have one once a month. But if you want to be able to communicate with the other side of the veil, come to automaticwriting.com. And if you want to learn how to use your super skills, use your gifts, lean in, do the shadow work, but do it with a group of others in a safe, warm, loving environment, then welcome home to the School of Mystics. Welcome home, welcome home, welcome home, and simply click on that link below to join the School of Mystics today. I want to send all my love your way. You are amazing. You are incredible. You are the divine. Here's the next amazing show to check out and keep on shining bright. How does it get any better than this? And Sir Meowsers, I'm coming to get your food, my boy. I'm coming to get your food. Much love, everyone. Five words you pronounce wrong two years before your brain starts shutting down. All right, real quick, we're going to do this last one. We're going to squeeze it in. It's called Mysteries of the Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. Did Leonardo da Vinci create a miracle by request? Mm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, keep trying, TJ. I don't know what else to say. Rainbird, are you there? <laughs> uh, TJ's trying to catch you, catch on to you. All right, let's see here. Did Leonardo da Vinci create a miracle by request of the Vatican in exchange for protection of the Templars? Knights Scott Walter and Timothy Hogan shed light on church-commissioned Renaissance works like the Shroud of Turin, Virgin on the Rocks, and the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Learn how these and other masterpieces were created by artists committed to preserving Templar wisdom while bartering for the order's survival. Explore the connections among Freemasonry, the Vitruvian man, and a hand signal known as the M sign. As it was considered heretical for the priestly line to be passed through the feminine, then did da Vinci leave behind clues that Mary Magdalene mothered sons with both Jesus, Yeshu, and John the Baptist? My goodness. Hmm. Okay, so we got to get started immediately because of the time, honey. Okay. All right, let's do this. Leonardo da Vinci 
and the Shroud of Turin. Was there a deal with the church? I'm Scott Walter, forensic geologist and a Knights Templar. And I'm Timothy Hogan, Grandmaster of the Knights Templar. And this is Mysteries of the Knights Templar. Da Vinci create a miracle for the Vatican in exchange for the Vatican leaving the underground Templar tradition alone. A deal with the church involving the Shroud of Turin? Well, this is very interesting because the Shroud of Turin is one of the most well-known religious artifacts in the world. And of course it has an image of a male that's burned into the cloth. And many people believe that it represents the cloth that was covering Jesus, and then when he ascended, the image was then burned into the cloth. Well, at least according to the order's records, what really happened here is the order had acquired a shroud from the Gnostic sect of the Druze in the Middle East to the Templars had close associations with. This shroud actually did not have any image on it at all at the time, but it was just something that had existed within the records, uh, within the archives. Leonardo da Vinci was friends with Pope Leo X, and he struck a deal with them, and he said, look, I will produce a miracle for the church if you agree to leave the underground Templar bodies alone to just do the stuff we need to do. And Leo X was open to this idea. So what he did was he gave Leonardo room within the basement of the Vatican, which there was a morgue. Why would they need to cut a deal with the Templar order. It was a win-win situation. If right. By striking this deal, it allowed the church to have a miracle, which could help with the faithful of the church to give them a renewed faith, if you will, and it would help the underground Templar movement to do its work. Right. Leonardo da Vinci was already experimenting around with camera obscuras. What he found is that with the camera obscura, he could create an inverted image. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, you could do this with a pinhole camera now. But at the time, Leonardo needed something a little bit more advanced. So he hired German lens makers to specifically make special lenses that could be fitted for this camera obscura. His plan was to take emulsion and put it on this shroud that had been obtained from the Druze to the Templars, take an emulsion to put on this shroud using chemicals that was produced alchemically in Leonardo's lab, specifically to burn an image from the camera obscura onto the cloth itself. So wait a minute, it's not Jesus then? It's not Jesus, this was actually the first photograph in modern history. Yeah. But the reason why they had to do it in the morgue specifically was because they needed a body that wasn't going to move for a long period All of time. Right, because of the exposure time. To exposure time in order to burn the image in. What Leonardo did was he actually folded over the area which would be the head and he just burned a body into there. Now, when the German lens makers saw this, they started to get a sense for what was going on down there. They didn't understand it. They just saw these weird images. They thought Leonardo was doing necromancy. 
Oh. And they accused him of that. You know, they said, look, you're doing alchemy and necromancy, and we don't want to create lenses for you if you're going to do this. Oh, I see. But, you know, eventually Leonardo was able to get the image created through the lenses he had. Now, historians know about this episode in history in which he was working with German lens makers while he was working on a secret project for the Vatican. Oh, they just they don't know, know what, what it the was. project was. It's exactly right. But it, what it was was to create this shroud. Mm-hmm. And for the final capstone, if you will, of this shroud, Leonardo used his own face for the face of Jesus. So it's it's not Jesus. It's not Demole. It's actually it's Leonardo Vinci. himself. It's yeah. Leonardo himself. Yeah, and, and you can see this even if you look at the shroud to this day. You can see that the head is separated There's ever a so slightly. I've actually seen photographs of it in one of the churches in Europe. And there is a line. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it. not only was that line from the cloth being folded over, right? Because they had to put this head on separate from the body, right. like a Frankenstein monster. So there was a, a, a demarcation, but, right? But he left the demarcation because of his veneration of St. John the Baptist. Who was beheaded. Beheaded, right. And this is why even to this day, if you look at the shroud, if you look at the face of the shroud, you can see there's a slight fisheye effect that comes from the lens. Oh, right. Uh, it also explains some of the lighting that would happen from the lenses. Mm-hmm. And scientists, modern scientists have figured out that the shroud was created through some sort of light emanation, but they don't know how or why. Well, this is why. It's because it was the first photograph in modern history. Well, you know what? That makes perfect sense because if if this was the shroud of somebody who was dead or even if they were dead and then rose from the dead, there would be some type of organic material that was left in the cloth and that can be dated, right? That's right. Well, and in fact, the only organic material that they have found on the shroud is from Drew's DNA that's dated from the... 1300s, so the 1200s and the 1300s, which puts it right in the time frame of when the Templars were associating with the Druze, Mm -hmm. where they attained the cloth from the Druze. So this is a form of alchemy using light, right? right? How specifically did he do it? Do we know? Yeah, he used silver salts, not unlike how early photography is burnt into images later on, but it just happened to be done on a cloth instead of on a piece of paper, right? And all the ingredients that was needed to do this are found in Leonardo's notebooks. I mean, he, he detailed it all, including the camera obscura. So it's all there. It's just people haven't pieced it together. And it was very important to the Templar order at the time and to Leonardo that the family to reveal the shroud to the public would be the de Charnay family, who was... Geoffrey de Charnay, the former Norman preceptor, was who was burnt at the stake with Jacques de Molay. And, you know, there's a bad stigma oh, associated that had this family member burnt at the stake. Well, so. especially when you have the church telling the whole world that your family member was a heretic. That's why we burned him at the stake. Right. Now, they're, they're not in a position to tell people the truth. And right. people wouldn't have believed it anyway, because in many ways, they either were totally dedicated to the church or who are you going to believe? i right. got to believe the church. I'm not going to believe you. Why would they burn you? You know, right. I mean, that was a tough one. So this was a way to, to help the de Charnay family save face. Right. 
Rome, Pope Leo X certainly went along with it. So the de Chardonnay family is the one that was allowed to reveal the shroud to the public, and it's been deemed a miracle ever since. Mm. So by giving this shroud to the de Chardonnay family after Leonardo was finished working on it, and then having the de Chardonnay family in turn give it to the church, it helped clear the de Chardonnay family's name of having been associated with this heresy. And it was of benefit to the church because now the church had a miracle. Well, and in addition to that, the win for the tradition was Leonardo basically said, back off the scientists. Yeah. Uh, people like Galileo, let them do their work and you can have your miracle and everybody will play nice from here on. That's right. And you have to remember Leonardo had been schooled with a number of other Renaissance thinkers and alchemists right. and painters, people like Botticelli, right. for example, and Raphael. They had all been schooled in the same school who were committed to not only understanding the symbolism and the mythologies and the texts that were being brought back by the Templars, but then incorporating it into artwork of the Renaissance. Speaking of artworks and Leonardo da Vinci and secrets, there's actually a secret that is embedded in another piece of his artwork that is absolutely fascinating. And what am I talking about? Well, you're talking about the Virgin of the Rocks. That's right. That's right. And what a lot of people don't understand is da Vinci was actually asked by the church to create a piece of art that would become Virgin on the Rocks. And when you look at that image, you see Mary standing in blue in front of two children, which are supposed to be Jesus and John the, John Baptist, the Baptist as children. Correct. The only problem with this artwork is there's another person in the picture on the right-hand side dressed in green and orange, which happen to be the symbolic colors of Mary Magdalene, orange representing the region in France that legend says she disappeared into after the crucifixion, and green representing her Celtic roots and, and ideology so you've got this woman with auburn hair sitting on the right and the problem with this is they were all contemporaries in age so if that's mary magdalene those two children cannot be jesus and john the baptist which begs the question if that's not who they are then who are they yeah and at least according to the templar tradition these were the children of john the baptist and Jesus that they both had with Mary Magdalene. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you realize what you just said? Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, according to the tradition, John the Baptist and Jesus were both married to Mary Magdalene and had children with her. Initially, Mary Magdalene was married to John the Baptist. They had children. John the Baptist was meant to be the leader of this new tradition. He was certainly the initiator of Jesus. And when he was killed early, Jesus had to take on that new role. And Mary Magdalene then married Jesus and had children through Jesus. So this painting seems to be suggesting the children from both people and Mary Magdalene. My understanding is in the first century, to be a rabbi. The tradition was not only were they required to be married, but they were also required to have a son for secession. 
apparently according to the tradition that somebody in the family like a cousin in this case was obligated to marry her because what i've also heard is that the priestly line of the tradition went through the feminine what this looks like is something that first of all is heretical to the church but to people that are pragmatic and looking at this it's still shocking but when you understand the tradition of the time it makes perfect sense and da Vinci obviously knew that because my guess is he's part of this bloodline too so this secret was passed down and it was his job to preserve it to be revealed someday well and this is part of the reason too while he why he was always so obsessed with John the Baptist i mean uh, not just this painting but in other paintings yes. as well he has paintings of John the Baptist himself and there's allusions to John in in other paintings yeah. so yeah and and let's not forget it was Hugh de Paines who was ordained under apostolic succession in Constantinople in a Joanite lineage where he would have learned about this before they went down there and the templars also had associations with other groups like the mandeans for mm -hmm. example in places like iran and iraq who venerated john the baptist over jesus and that this was again a gnostic tradition and if we want to go back to the first version of that painting that da vinci did you also see mary magdalene going like this yes okay she's pointing to john the baptist well if i make this hand gesture and rotate it 90 degrees what do you have the compass and square right right correct so when da vinci finished this painting and he presented it to the church they basically said sorry gunner do it again yeah. they didn't want it so when you look at the second version of the painting it's quite different mary is still in blue but all of a sudden the two children have halos over their heads john the baptist is carrying a cross and mary magdalene now all the colors are gone the hand pointing is gone we can't have her in that image well and in the first picture of it uh you have one hand going like this while the other hand's going across and it's it's holding an invisible head and a <laughs> cut cut across the throat yeah. and then that was removed by this time the second painting of course it was okay now there's one more piece of art that we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up the last supper yeah and there's a lot of secrets hidden in there what are some of your favorites well i mean with the last supper first of all we have all of the perspective of the painting going to jesus's right eye which is kind of interesting from a esoteric standpoint in terms of representing that eye of deity mm -hmm. that is is emphasized in in traditions but, like the back of the dollar bill like the back of the dollar bill but even beyond that there are signs within the painting that are reminiscent of secret signs that you find within the templar tradition in the past they're, they're continuing to be passed down within freemasonry to this day including distress signs how about the knife there's a knife coming out of nowhere yeah held at the abdomen area of one of the disciples then of course obviously there's the figure next to jesus which some have said it's supposed to be john the beloved but also tends to look like 
Mary Magdalene herself. Well, well, I don't think it looks like John at all. I think it looks like a female. Yeah. And it's definitely Mary Magdalene, in my opinion. But on that note, there is something else that's hidden in the painting. If you look carefully on the what would be the left side of the table as you're viewing it, the right side from the people sitting at the table, actually the shoulder and neck of one of the disciples is actually a baby. It's a boy yeah. wearing blue. You can actually pull Jesus and Mary Magdalene together and she'll have her head leaning against his shoulder and then you can actually take the baby and bring it in and it fits right in the middle with her holding it in her arms. So this is another secret that actually dovetails with Virgin on the Rocks. But the point is Jesus was married. He was married to Mary Magdalene and they had at least one son. They had a daughter too. Her daughter was Sarah. This is heretical to a lot of people. But what I'd like to point out, in 1980, there was a tomb discovered in the East Telpiat neighborhood in southern Jerusalem called the Telpiat tomb. And basically what happened is one of these underground tombs was found, antechamber, burial chamber, and inside the burial chamber, they found 10 ossuaries, seven inscribed with names, six in Aramaic, one in Greek. And when the archaeologists translated these inscriptions, they had names like Jesus or Yeshua, son of Joseph, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, Joseph, Maria, Jose, and the last one written in Aramaic was Judah, son of Jesus. So that child in Virgin on the Rocks that was in Mary Magdalene's lap was Judah. The seventh and the last ossuary that was pulled out that was inscribed with the name, this one in Greek said Mariamne Lamara. Lamara is a title of honor as in Lord, Master, or Queen. And there've only been six out of about three to 4,000 ossuaries that have been found in Israel that have this title on it. Three are male, this is the third one that's female. So here we have a tomb in Jerusalem that the world largely doesn't know about because it's been suppressed that appeared to contain the mortal remains of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, their son, and other family members. So the whole notion of these secrets that Leonardo was was preserving and now being revealed really shouldn't be that much of a surprise. Well, and we should point out that that particular tomb was broken into during the time of the Crusades. Yep. By the order, the bones were removed at that time. It was just the boxes that were left behind. Well, not only that, because I've dealt with the people that were working with those Oshawars, the Telpiat team. And basically what I was told is that when the archaeologists found the ossuaries, I mean, the tradition talks about going in there. Well, the facts support that because they said largely there were very little bones left and there was actually some of the material was welded to the side of the box and they were able to get extractable DNA. They weren't complete strands, but partial strands. And let's just say that's some very interesting things that doesn't do anything to poo poo this story that we're telling right now. Now, talking about the Templars going into the tomb during the time of the first crusades, what's interesting about the tomb is that when the archeologists went in, they found that somebody had breached the tomb. 
and this allowed Terra Rosa soil from rose gardens up above. Kind of gives a new meaning to the phrase. Sub Rosa. Sub Rosa, <laughs> yeah. under the rose, right? right? Well, the Terra Rosa soil flowed into the tomb and filled it up with up to two feet of this material because whoever went in didn't close the tomb properly. So when they excavated the ossuaries and the floor of the burial chamber, they actually found three skulls placed in a triangle in the east, south, and west quadrants of the tomb. Now, does that mean anything to you? Wait, you're a past master in Freemasonry, right? Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a very typical layout for guardianship, what will be known as uh, the wardens or the guardians of any type of sacred space. It certainly is something that follows within the Templar tradition, of which later Freemasonry came out of. Well, we have the Tyler who guards the door to the lodge, right? To keep out Cowans and eavesdroppers. And my thought is these three skulls were probably three Templar knights who died during the initial siege of Jerusalem who would have been honored to have their skulls placed as symbolic guardians in the tomb of their ancestral king, right? It should be pointed out that there's certain mystic Islamic sects that are, are now referred to as Sufi, right. but who the Templars had associations with, and they too set up their temples with officers in the east, the south, and the west. And one of their first forms of recognition is to do this to each other, uh, which, by the way, This is what Leonardo da Vinci later has John doing. It represented the letter I and a point becoming a line. This was the countersign, which was the line then becoming a set of compasses, and it also represented the Latin letter A. And then the third sign that was given was this, which represented the letter O, and it represented the compasses forming a point within a circle. Now this I-A-O, was the Gnostic name of God, but it was also believed John the Baptist got his name from because John, again, in Greek is Ioannis, which was I-A-O, how it started out. So it was a title saying basically of God, but not just any God, God of the first cause, the the creator, the light Mm. that manifested. The other thing that Leonardo is known for is his Vitruvian Man, right? which basically shows how man is composed of both the square and the circle. Yes. The square representing the physical world, the four elements, the four directions, you know, the four sides of the square, and the circle representing spirit because it had no beginning and no end. Right. So by uniting the square and the circle, It represented spiritualizing the material, materializing the spiritual. Exactly. Just like the Templar cross represented. And later, we find that same symbolism being utilized within Freemasonry with a square and the compasses representing the circle. Exactly. Well, there's one other thing about the Vitruvian man. You'll notice that he has his feet spread, Mm -hmm. but he also has the feet together. Yeah. And when you look at that, 
It's a very interesting symbol. Now, this particular hand gesture, if we flip it back like this, makes what letter? Letter M. This is the sign of a certain tradition that began right after the put down in 1307. So I would encourage people that are watching right now to look for the M sign. You will see it in art, you'll see it in sculpture, going back to just before the put down and all the way up through to this day. But remember, it's not necessarily the person that's being depicted, Columbus. That's one of my favorites. And the first image that usually comes up is him standing here doing the M sign, and it's not subtle at all. But of course, if you don't know what to look for, you don't see it, but now you'll never not see it going forward. And remember, it's not Columbus that was the initiate, it was the artist that, that drew the painting. Yeah. Well, I think we can say that the Templar order has been very good at creating these secret signs. Yes. They've left landmarks for centuries, and the work of Leonardo was fundamental to some of this. I mean, he, he really gave birth to the Renaissance. I mean, Templars had acquired this knowledge from the Middle East and other places. They brought it into Europe. Europe was shut down until Leonardo created this miracle, which then allowed all these documents and everything else to be celebrated for the first time in art and for new scientific breakthroughs. New texts were allowed to be published, and this is really what created the Renaissance. Leonardo was the consummate diplomat. He's the one who negotiated this win-win situation that helped both the church and the Templars, even though they had goals which may have been diametrically opposed to each other. Yeah. So in the end, this worked out best for everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mysteries of the Knights Templar. <clears throat> Talk about timing. That was great. Well done. And Rainbird is here with us. And I guess we'll say goodnight together, won't we? With the, yeah, uh, we'll say goodnight together. That was, that was fun to... <laughs> enlighten us right there at the end. That was some good story. So lots of gratitude for the whole evening. And there you go. Good night. See you this afternoon. See you this afternoon, everybody. Aloha. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>